pair of the Detroit and Chicago batting orders as we come up to just a few moments before the start of this thrilling seventh and final game of this Fight 45 series. For Detroit, here's the batting order. The leadoff hitter, as usual, will be the shortstop, Jimmy Webb. Batting number two will be the second baseman, Eddie Mayo. Batting third will be the center fielder, Roger Kramer, C-R-A-M-E-R. Batting fourth will be big captain Hank Greenberg, the left fielder. Batting fifth will be Roy Cullenbine, the right fielder. Batting number six will be Rudolph York, the first baseman. Batting number seven, Jimmy Outlaw, the third baseman. Batting number eight, Paul Richards, the veteran catcher. And batting ninth, young Prince Hal Newhauser, the talented lefty who is a Detroit boy all the way. So there's the batting order for the Detroit Tigers. For the home standing and embattled Chicago Cubs, they will bat in this order. The leadoff hitter will be Stanley Hack, the third baseman, who is the hitting star of the series up to this point. Batting number two for Chicago, second baseman Don Johnson. Batting third, left fielder Harry Lowry, L-O-W-R-E-Y. Batting fourth, the star first baseman, Phil Cavaretta, Chicago boy all the way. Batting number five, center fielder Andy Andy Pasco, P-A-F-K-O. Batting sixth, the big right fielder, Bill Nicholson, N-I-C-H-O-L-S-O-N. Batting number seven, the redoubtable catcher, Mickey Livingston. Batting number eight, the veteran shortstop, Roy Hughes. And batting number ninth and trying for the Ironman stunt in the 1945 series, Fordham Hank Baroy, the New Jersey Ice, who is just now completing his warm-up pitches down in front of the Cubs dugout down the third baseline. Here are the umpires, Art Passarella of the American League at the plate, Jocko Conlon of the National League at first, Billy Summers of the American League at second, and Lou Jordan of the National League at third. Now that's the way the scene is set at this particular moment, and while we're waiting for the umpires to come to home plate, to confer with the rival managers, Jolly Charlie Grimm and South Steve O'Neill, uh, we're going to pause 10 seconds here for station identification. Remember, men, look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette Blue Blades with the sharpest edges ever honed. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. This is WGN Chicago, serving the Middle West. between representatives of the two clubs and the umpires now going on down at home plate, which is, of course, always the part of the last moment before a game begins. Phil Cabaretta, the playing captain of the Chicago Cubs, is representing Chicago, and Steve O'Neill representing the Detroit Tigers. Now the umpires are fanning out. Incidentally, the alternate umpires here are Charlie Berry of the American League and Lee Ballantyne of the National League. They just dress and sit in the dugouts every day, and it's a very sweet job. Steve O'Neill is moving down to third base now, where he's going to coach, and the Chicago team is coming on the field. Mills will coach it first for the Detroit Tigers. And now, with the Cubs out on the field, in their proper defensive order, the whole crowd, and it's a throng, rises to its feet, heads are bared, hands snap up a right hand salute on the part of the military personnel here, and arm in hand, band plays the national anthem.
flags that ever rode the breeze flies high from the flagstaff in deep center field with bank flags of the United States and United Nations on its right and on its left. Everything is all set for the start of this seventh and deciding game of this great 45 series. And all set, looking very sharp and feeling very sharp, is our colleague on the broadcast who will bring you the first four and a half innings of play, big handsome Al Helfer. Al, here we are. Well, thanks, Bill. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rather uh, chilly here in Chicago, as Bill has already told you this afternoon. But uh, nevertheless, we're expecting a humdinger of a ball game. Uh, this seventh consecutive World Series that Gillette has brought you, it goes down to the seventh and final game of the entire series. And uh, I think that Ed uh, Wilhelm, who is sitting over here to our left, is probably just as anxious as everyone else here in the stand and in the radio booth to see this ball game get underway. Also very anxious this afternoon is Hank Baroy. I talked to the Fordham Ghost just before the ball game started, and he wants this one. And actually, so does Hal Newhouser. We spoke briefly with him, too, just before we came up from the playing field up to the radio booth. And these two pitchers will be out there, and as the boys in the trade say, they'll be bowing their necks this afternoon to try to get this final win to put their team up on top. The umpires, as given you by Bill Slater, are correct. Passarelli at the plate, Conlon at first, Summers at second, and Jordan at third. The lineups as given you by Bill are intact also. And we should like to pass this on at the start of this ball game that the Chicago Cubs, as far as batting is concerned, are out hitting the Detroit Tigers with a team percentage, as they field right now, of 2.88, while the Detroit Tigers have a percentage of 2.02. And Peter Webb, who is hitting at 174, the Detroit shortstop is standing in right now, hitting right-handed. Detroit pitches him, and it's taken on the inside for ball one. So this ball game, the seventh and final game in the 1945 World Series, has now gotten underway here at Wrigley Field in Chicago. Roy throws again, and there's a high curve on the outside for ball two. So Hack has gotten behind now to the Detroit shortstop. Two balls, no strike. The outfield playing straight away, and not very deep on Skeeter Webb. Roy throws another curve in there that's good for a strike. And now it's two and one. Webb has had four hits and 23 at-bats here in the World Series of 1945. He takes the next pitch, and it's right through the middle for a called strike, and that's two and two. Two balls, two strikes. The first hitter up for Detroit here in the very top half of the first inning. Roy kicks, twists, throws a high curve. and almost got away from Livingston. That's ball three to Peter Webb. Three and two. And Roy on the mound for Chicago. His battery mate is Mickey Livingston. Roy throws three and two. Webb swings on it. There's a clean base hit through the hole between first and second and into right field. Peter Webb opens the top of the first inning with a single to right field. And that, incidentally, in the series, is hit number 19 off Baroy. Hit number one off him this afternoon. The batter now hitting at 217 is second baseman Eddie Mayo of Detroit. He hits left-handed, and he's opening his stance more of late. He pulls that right foot down towards first base. Sort of guards the plate slightly from behind. Roy checks his runner at first, throws to the plate, Mayo swings on it. There's another clean base hit right through the hole into right field. Peter Webb is coming off second base. There's Nicholson's throw into third, but it's not nearly in time. With a hit and run on, Webb moves into third base as Mayo singles behind him in the right field. That's hit number two off for Roy. 
And that's the 20th base hit he's given up here in the 1945 World Series. And Paul Derringer starts hurriedly to get ready down in the Chicago bullpen. So big Paul Derringer is starting to throw very rapidly. Runners at first and third for Detroit. No out. And here is Doc Kramer, who is tied for the number four spot in hitting honors. Of all the ball players playing in the series, he's hitting at 333, as is Captain Hank Greenberg. But Kramer hitting left-handed. He's up there now. It's quick throw to first base. Just keep Mayo close. Cavaletta returns that ball to the mound. Broy is ready. Gets the plate. Throws to the plate. There's a little curve on the outside, Doc Kramer, for ball one. One ball, no strike. This is the top of the first inning, and the Detroit Tigers are threatened. Broy checks the runner at first, now at third, then throws a high curve in there, but scoops out into short left field. It may fall in for a base hit. It does fall in. Here comes Webb in from third, easily to score, and it's one to nothing Detroit. was on at third base. Doc Kramer hit an outside pitch and blew it out behind third in the left field. And Hughes, the shortstop, went back and he couldn't get it. So the first run comes in and that's hit number three off for Roy and I think that's going to be all for Hank. The score is one to nothing in favor of Detroit and that is the sixth run Hank Roy has given up in the 1945 World Series and it's definitely an earned run. All six runs he has given up have been earned. And I believe Paul Derringer is going to be called upon right here in the top half of the first inning. Yes, here comes Paul Derringer. So Baroy can't get anybody out in the top half of the first inning. This is quite a spot for the veteran Paul Derringer to be coming into. He'll pitch first of all to Hank Greenberg. And that's a pretty tough customer. Derringer's being called upon. Hank Burroy apparently did not have his truck this afternoon against Detroit. So Derringer has come on. As far as Derringer is concerned, he's uh, done a little pitching before in this series also. He's pitched uh, three and two-third innings. There's a round of applause for Hank Burroy. World Series appearance prior to this year, Paul Derringer has won two and lost four. Derringer pitched, if you recall, for St. Louis, the Cardinals, also for the Cincinnati Reds in the National League. He pitched in the 31 series, he pitched in the 39 series, and his last series was in 1940. He was with Cincinnati then and pitched against his self-trained Detroit Tigers. And his series record up until now is two wins and four defeats. Paul's a grand veteran of the game. Kentucky born and bred, and he's out there right now. Pitch for Chicago. The pitch is he said, first of all, to Hank Greenberg. Now, here's the position in the top of the first inning. One run has been scored by Detroit. We'll uh, review it for you. Webb singled through the hole between first and second and out into right field on a 3-2 pitch. Eddie Mayo came up then, and with the hit-and-run flag, Peter Webb was on his way for second. And Eddie Mayo, a left-handed hitter, drilled the ball nicely between first and second and into right to put Webb on his third. Then Doc Kramer came up and hit a fast outside pitch and blew it into left field for a base hit. And that put Mayo on second and scored Webb from third. So there are no outs here in the top of the first inning. The 
Tigers lead one to nothing, and Greenberg is up at bat. He's had seven hits and 21 tries here in this World Series, and he's hitting at 3.33. Paul, right-hand hitter, stands just off the plate. Now Derringer is ready. He'll make his first pitch here in the first inning. He throws, and there's a bunt pushed down to first base. Bill Camperetta picks it up, steps over on the first base line, and tags Greenberg out unassisted as the runners move on. So Greenberg, despite the fact he's a terrific slugger, was sent up by Steve O'Neill to sacrifice the boys along, and he successfully did so. Bill Cabaretta taking care of the foot out of first base. So Kramer on the sacrifice moves over to second base, and Eddie Mayo moves down to third. Now here's Roy Cullenbine, who is hitting at 250. And they're going to intentionally walk Cullenbine. Despite the fact that he's only had five hits and 20 times up, Cullen Bynes can be a pretty tough customer. So Charlie Grimm has ordered Derringer to put him on. There's the second ball pitched way wide. There's the third one. And now pitch out number four. That's the sixth time that Roy Cullen Bynes has drawn a base on balls here in this World Series. That is the first base on balls issued this afternoon. It's given up by Derringer. Now with the bases loaded, Cullen Bynes at first, Kramer at second, Mayo at third, and one out. The batter up there is Rudy York. It's a one-to-nothing ball game in favor of the Detroit Tigers, and it's keeping nail here this afternoon, and it will be for the entire length of this ball game. Derringer winds up slowly, delivers, a uh, change of pace curve, it's in for a strike. That was a three-quarter overhand curve ball. The change of pace variety, and big Rudy York took it. Eddie Mayo leads down off third. Kramer steps off second, and Cullen Bynes moves off first. Derringer pitches. York takes. And it's a low curve under his knees for ball one. One ball, one strike is the count on Rudy York. He's hitting a 208 for his work in the series. He's had five hits for 24 official at-bats. We've got a lot of activity down in the Chicago. Both hands. Now Derringer pitches. York takes. And there's a fast one in for a strike. Big bar just reared back and fogged it in. He looks like the Derringer of old that time. He doesn't throw that high hard one so much anymore. But when he cuts it loose, it's still got plenty of that stuff on it. Down in the bullpen, Claude Passo and High Vandenberg are both getting ready for Chicago. Now here comes the next one and two delivery. York takes it. It's a high curve to level off the count at two and two. Two balls, two strikes. Bases are jammed here with Tigers in the top of the first inning. Only one out. Detroit has once scored, and they lead one to nothing. Roy is out of there now, and Paul Derringer is trying to put out this Detroit fire. Derringer kicks high, the big six-footer throws, and there's a low sweeping curve on the outside for ball three. Derringer stands 6'4", and weighs 230 pounds. 39-year-old veteran, he has plenty of pressure on his shoulders right now. But he's been in spots like this before. Here's the 3-2 pitch to Rudy York. It's a fast curve. It's hit out to right field. It may fall in for a base hit. Nicholson goes over near the line. And it just falls foul. It just falls foul by inches. Out back of right field. Rudy York almost hit one. But it just veered off and went foul by inches. Way deep in the corner. That means that Rudy York is going to have to come back and do it all over again. Paul Derringer is going to have to throw another 3-2 pitch to a very dangerous hitter. That's the tenth 
situation here in the top half of the first inning. It's the seventh game of the World Series here at Wrigley Field in Chicago. And now the sun is coming out. Getting a little more brilliant down on the diamond. Still very cool. Quite a bit of wind blowing from behind home out towards center field. Here's a 3 2 pitch. York swings and fouls it out. And the count stays at 3 and 2. In case you just tuned in or just hooked up with it, the score is 1 to nothing Detroit. One out. The base is loaded. And Rudy York at bat with a count of 3 and 2. And Derringer has relieved Baroy. He pitches now, and York swings, and there's a high foul up to the right of the plate. Mickey Livingston shoots back, but he can't get it. It's way back into the sand. So the count stays at three and two on Rudy York. Chicago Winfield playing their normal fielding depth. Of course, they're hoping that Derringer will get Rudy York to hit onto the ground. And that's just the thing that the Tigers do not want to see happen. The outfield is playing very deep to Rudy York. They have a right to do so because he clouts the long ball. He gave evidence of that down at Briggs Stadium in Detroit. He's probably hit the longest ball in this entire series. He hit that ball well over 400 feet and it was caught. Down in the bullpen for the Chicago Cubs. Still throwing very hard. Claude Pastor and High Vandenberg. Just in case Derringer has any trouble here. And trying to get Detroit out at the top of the first inning. We'll go over the situation for you. Third base is Eddie Mayo. At second base is Doc Kramer. And at first base, perfectly walked, is Roy Cullenbein. So the bases are jammed. Score one to nothing, Tigers. And Derringer's ready to throw 3-2 to Rudy York. Down the drive. York swings on it. There's a high infield pop-up. Down at shortstop is Stanley Hatch floating in front of Hughes. And he takes it for the out. Second out now for Detroit in the top half of the first inning. And Paul Derringer came down behind the plate to back up that play just in case. And he picked up Mickey Livingston's mask and handed it to Mickey and patted him on the back as if to say, you helped me get him out of that one. Well, that was the all-important out as far as Derringer was concerned. Still, he's not out of the woods by a long shot. The bases are still loaded here with Tigers in the top of the first inning. And Jimmy Outlaw, who is hitting at 167, is standing in. Outlaw, a right-handed choke hitter, stands deep at the plate, and the little fellow sort of crouches over slightly from the weight. Derringer pitches him, and Outlaw takes, and there's a low curve at his knees for ball one. Mayo takes his lead off third. It's a generous lead. Derringer's playing with no mind. He's busily engaged pitching to Outlaw. He's a third baseman. Outlaw's had four hits and 24 at-bats in the series. Derringer pitches him, and there's a curve ball that slides off on the inside for ball two. The outfield has stepped up a couple of steps to... Well, he doesn't hit a particularly long ball. He's more of a punch hitter. Now Derringer, big six-foot-four-inch right-hander. Delivers, and there's a high curve right off the point of his chin of Outlaw for ball three. Three balls, no strike. Derringer visits that Rosenberg. As far as he's concerned, there's an awful lot riding with every pitch he makes. Down comes the next one. Outlaw takes it. And it's on the inside for ball four. And that forces in Mayo from third. That's the second walk given up by Derringer. But he lost this man. He walked Cohen by him purposely. However, that run is charged against Baroy. So it's 
Two-to-nothing ball game now in favor of the Detroit Tigers. Paul Richards comes wandering up to the plate to do a little hitting for Detroit. He's the eighth man to come up here in the top half of the first inning. Cullen Vine moves over to second, and Kramer takes his station at third as Outlaw. Goes down on the walk and takes his position at first. The bases are still loaded. Still two out. Score Detroit two, Chicago nothing. Derringer winds slowly. Kicks high, throws a fast curve. It's low under the knees of Richards for ball one. The tall section stands almost straight up and down at the plate. And hits him right-handed. Stands deep just as far back as he possibly can. He's hitting at 133, two for 15. He clings on the next pitch and falls down as the foul gets it. Well, the count on Richards now is one and one. One ball, one strike. The outfield stands slightly around the left. And out in left field, Peanut Flowery is playing deep for Richards. Hughes at shortstop has come down a couple of steps toward the foul line, the left field foul line, and he's playing deep in the hole at shortstop. Going to throws. There's a faction swung on and fouled back into the screen for strike two. So the count on Richards is one ball, two strikes. There are two outs on Detroit here in the top of the first inning. They lead the Cubs by a margin of two runs as the score stands. Detroit two, Chicago nothing. Derringer in a lot of trouble, not of his own making, but nevertheless he's had to shoulder the burden. He's out there. He throws one and two now, and Richard swings. There's a fly ball going deep into left field. It may drop in, and it may not. It is in fair territory. Drops in the corner. In comes Kramer to score. Cullenbein is also coming in. Outlaw comes around, and he too scores. It's a double. For Richard. Come piling in for Detroit here in the top of the first inning. Detroit has a total now of five. The matter of plate is Hal Newhauser. Getting left-handed. He takes the first pitch high for ball one. Richards leaps down on second base. Turns the pitches and there's one swung on a miss for strike. So the count on Newhauser is one and one. Newhouser has just been announced. It's a count of one and one on him. He swings on the next pitch and hits a foul ball out back at left field and it falls away into the feet. So the count of him now is one ball to strike. Paul Richards just hammered in three more runs for the Tigers. May lead five to nothing. Then just throws. There's a little curve under the knees of Newhouser for ball two. That makes his count two and two. Al hitting left-handed, standing very deep at the plate, sort of guarding it from behind. Four runs have been scored off the Roy and one run off Derrick. That ball is ready. Down comes the next pitch, and Newhauser hits one down to second base. Johnson comes up with it to second, throws to Phil Cavaretta, and that's all for Newhauser, going out 4-3. Well, a count up for damage now in the first inning as nine men came to bat for Detroit. A total of five runs on one... Two, three, four hits. There's one man left, and the winner. So at the end of the top of the first inning, 
Detroit leads in the seventh game of the World Series, five to nothing. And now, men, before this final game of the 1945 World Series goes any further, let me point out that you look better and feel better when you shave the smooth, refreshing all Gillette way. Yes, when you soften your whiskers with Gillette shaving cream, lather or breakfast, and whisk them off with today's Gillette Blue Blade in your Gillette razor, your face looks and feels its very best. You see, Gillette shaving creams are thorough-going, fast-acting beard softeners that hold abundant moisture and stay wet on your face. What's more, today's Gillette Blue Blade has the sharpest, smoothest finished edges that ever sailed through a fellow's whiskers. Working together, they give you the sweatest shaves of your life. Ask your dealer for Gillette Brushless or Gillette Lather, a quarter, and shave this easier all Gillette way. Remember, look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette Blue Blades with the sharpest edges ever honed. Now for the last half of inning number one. It's a five to nothing ball game in favor of the Detroit Tigers as they went out and got themselves five right in the very first frame. They got themselves five runs on four hits. Three hits coming off Roy and one, a damaging double, coming off the offering of Derringer. Now Stanley Hatch gets a round of applause as he steps up to the plate to be the first Chicago Cubs hitter. He's leading all hitters here in the series at 440. He takes the first pitch as Newhouse's zips the back one in there for a strike. Hatch hitting left-handed, stands deep at the plate. Newhouse takes his sign from Paul Richards, comes once. 24-year-old left-handed delivers, and Hack hits the ball down to third, and it's foul just outside of the bag. Another count on Stanley Hack. There's no ball to strike. Hack's had 11 hits for 25 at-bats here in this series for a percentage of 440 if he stands at the place of Red Hot second. Another main hit. He's going to be able to fly. A record of Lance Stanley. We'll tell you about that if and when it happens. Takes the next pitch and strike three, and Hack knew it. So the first man Newhouse faces is strikes out here in the last of the first inning. And that's strikeout number one for Newhouse this afternoon. That's strikeout number 15 for him. And his 11 and uh, 2 other than 6 in the World Series. Now John Johnson hitting at 167. With right hand standing up. Take a look at the first pitch, and it's a high curve up above the letters of the church. That's ball one. One ball, no strike. You have to get ready. Then Paul throws a fast one in there. Out over shortstop and out in the left center field. That's when he chases it. Picks it up. But Johnson is on his way to second. Here comes the throw. It's not in time. And Johnson drives and he's going to second with a double. Johnson has just gotten his fifth hit on his 25th at bat here in the series. Doubles to left center field. Too much flowers. Getting the two angels standing up on the point right now. You have to deliver to him. And Lowry takes a high curve up above his shoulder. That's all right. Too much flowers. It's right-handed and stands deep to the plate. Nice wide set of bats. He has to throw the fast one in there. Lowry swings and doesn't get it. The one and one count now on Chicago left to the base. in the flower. Johnson with his double is on at second base. That is the second extra base play here in the seventh game of the World Series. 
Back at it, they've been hitting the left field. This is in the first inning for the Cubs. It went very nicely down into the left field corner. That double of his scored three runs for the Cubs. He leads, you know, right now, five to nothing. Newhouse sets back at second. Richard Johnson now throws in place. Larry pushes the bat back toward the mound. It's picked up by Newhouse and he bobbles it for the moment. Picked up, throws not in time. Newhouse went after Peanut Larry's bunt, and by the time he got his hands on it, he bottled it for the moment, and then he threw late to first base. So Chicago has one as his first and second. The official score will give us his verdict in a minute. But I'll bet we're starting to get ready down in the Tiger bullpen. Now here is Phil Cabaretta, hitting left-handed. I don't know, he's being charged. I've got Kyle Newhouse. Johnson is on a second, and Lowry is on a first. Down comes the first pitch to Cabaretta, and it's swung on. Missed for strike. He has to get the back, throws another one in there, and it's fouled off. Strike two. No ball, two strikes, and count on Phil Cabaretta. We're in the last half of the first inning. Johnson is a second, Lowry is a first. And he has a second. Cabaretta tries the next pitch. Beats the ground into the ground foul to the left of the plate. The count remains. Cabaretta has two strikes. There's one out for Chicago here in the last half of the first inning. Base runners at first and second. Johnson at second and Lowry is on a chase. Here's Cabaretta. He's always a dangerous hitter. He's just the number three hitter of all the ball players in the series. Takes a high curve as he cuts down. Something being cut. But it's out now on the Chicago first baseman. There's one ball, two strikes. Cabaretta is hitting right now at 364. He's got eight hits for 22 at-bats. He has a sexy runner. Good is one and two. Cabaretta takes low, and now it's two and two. Two balls, two strikes. The number two batsman in the field, surprisingly enough, is Mr. Livingston, the Chicago Catholic. He's hitting 289. Chicago has an error order, the first, second, and third hitters here in the series. Cabaretta swings on a change of pace curve and loops it back of the dugout. Chicago cuts back into the field seat. And Cal stays at two and two. Johnson taking a very short lead at second. Lowry looking for something straight at all with a long lead at first. He's staying pretty close despite the fact that Rudy Off is back in his fielding depth behind first base. And you have to be ready to throw two and three to left-handed hitting Phil Cabaretta. Down it's not. Bill swings on it to base hit for right field. Johnson comes whistling by third, comes down into scoring line, flies into third. Chicago has runners at first and third, one out, 
And the score is 5 to 1 in favor of Detroit. And it's a big conference right now down at the mound with Hal Newhouser. Eddie Mayo is in on that conference. And Paul Richards. And he is asked, as Paul Richards, for a new skin protector. His skin guard has been trapped in the class operation. So he's getting a new one. Time has been called for it. And that off Hal Newhouser, we uh, would like to go back and say, there's a second hit here in this ball game. It is the 17th hit he's given up in the World Series, and that is the 12th run that has been gotten at Newhouse. The first one this afternoon. It's a 5 to 1 ball game in favor of the Detroit Tigers. And the Chicago Cubs are also bearing their claws here in the last half of the first. And they're trying desperately to get back into this ball game. Because it's winner today, taking the three. Standing up at the plate is Andy Fasco, who is hitting a two-way weight. He takes the first curve, and it's in there for a strike. You sort of automatically call it a curve when you have the delivery, because he's got quite an assortment. Fasco is hitting a two-way weight, as he said. He has had five hits for 24 outs for uh, 24 out back. Fasco swings on the next pitch as the ball hits the short. It's played back to Mayo for one out to throw on the first two outs. First double play here this afternoon. Andy Castro hit one down to Peter Webb at short. He played it very nicely back to Eddie Mayo for the fourth out on Cabaretta coming down. And then Mayo whips it over to first base. And that's all. Well, Chicago scores one time here in the last half of the first inning. One run on two hits. There was a man left. And there was one Detroit error. So at the end of one full inning of play, the score stands... 5-1 to one in favor of the Detroit Tigers. As we go into the top half of inning number two, right here Wrigley Field in Chicago. And Paul Derringer comes out of the dugout, moves out to the mound now. Starts the top of the second inning. But before we get into the top of the second inning, we have just a few moments. Seconds as a matter of fact. Because the first identification. So remember, men, look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use the left blue blades with a shot as take as ever home. This is the new small broadcasting system. This is WGN Chicago, serving in the West. Peter Webb here at Ridgeview Field will start the second batting around for the Detroit Tigers. Starting off in the top of the second inning. During the six time throws, the wet swings in a fast curve and misses the second one. Got himself a single at right field in the first inning. He runs up on the swing as if to bunt, then pulls his bat back in time. Puts his very close to his chest for a ball. One and one with the crowd on Peter Webb. Eddie Mayo is on deck to hit next. They put a pair of singles together in that first inning. Then just pitches a low curve under the knees of Webb for ball two. Two balls, one strike. Left the count on the short truck stop, Peter Webb. He's had five hits, 24 at bat. Takes another fast serve, and Derringer has it low for ball three. That's three and one. Three balls, one strike. Webb right this minute, hitting a 208. Takes the next pitch, and it's drilled right through. So that makes the count three and two. Three balls, two strikes. Webb stands there now, and takes up a little more on the handle of the bat. 
Reds took it through two wet swings. There's a long fly ball to center field. Andy Castro goes back. Still going back. Reaches over his head and takes it to the out. That's all. Step. A long fly ball to center field. Left guy Andy Castro can go get him out in that outer orchard. He went back and took it. The batter coming up to the plate now for Detroit is Eddie Mayo. He's had six hits now for 24 at bats. Looks nicely behind Peter Webb in the first inning to move uh, Jimmy around third. Mayo hitting left-handed. Burns a curve in, it's a medium speed curve ball. And Mayo ran up on him, he hit the bunt, and then took it. All these back down off his shoulder, and it was outside for ball one. Now some of the crowd here, throwing a quick approval. Now back in. But Mayo didn't attempt to lay that wood on the horse side at all. Burns it comes down with the next pitch. Mayo swings out of hand with a fly ball to center. And the pass goes back. Just one step and takes it for the out. That's the half of Mayo. Batting one in the straightaway center field. So very quickly now, on the top of the second inning, there's two outs for Detroit. And that brings the back Jack Kramer. Jack took the first one in here in this ball game with a looping fly ball in the left field. He's got Webb in from first. So he's had one hit and one try this afternoon. Jack hitting left handed. There's a tries a blooper ball in there that's close in and over. Jack Kramer for a call strike. Burns has been uh, working on that pitch all year. Pretty well has it mastered. He tries to go to Necker, who's through this time. And this with a just outside. It's one and one. One ball, one strike. Burns doesn't throw that Necker a great many times. But he's got pretty good control of it. Paul winds, Nash, it's pass, rolls, back ball, it's taken low, under the knee. That's ball two. Two balls, one strike. This is the top of the second inning, Detroit. Two outs, no base runners, and they lead in this ball game, five to one. Then the top throw, there's a change of pace, there's a tie, and on the outside, the ball three. Three and one. It's a and Brazzy Duck Turner. The center fielder, the short back. Runs the throw three and one, and it went through there for a strike. And now the count is three and two, and that's Kramer. Kramer pumps that bat back and forth. Runs the throw, there's a ball late, very solid, out into right field for a base hit for that Kramer. So Kramer singles to right. And that's the number two off there, Andrew. That's number five as far as the Detroit Tigers are concerned. And now they have as many hits as they have runs. Well, if five is any significant, the guy coming up to the plate is wearing a big five on the back of his uniform shirt, and that's Hank Greenberg. He sacrificed successfully in the first inning, so his pregame batting percentage is 333 for the series. Remains intact. He's looking for a basic number eight. There's a curve, and there's a captain through there for a strike. No balls, one strike on Hank Greenberg, getting right-handed. Hank has his back down, just the bunch and takes the pitch. And it's high and on the outside. That levels the count out to Hank at one and one. One ball, one set. Kramer leads off first. Cabaret is travel on the inside corner, holds him close. There's a Texas runner, then close to the plate, and Greenberg takes a high curve. The ball two. Two balls, one set. Half Vandenberg is still throwing down in the Chicago bullpen. Just in case Derringer is going to have any trouble here in the second inning. 
Greenberg takes another serve, and Derringer, that he had it in, but it was a little low for ball three. Derringer comes down off the mound and starts to beat to plate umpire Art Cazzarelli of the American League. Derringer filled Kinnan and John with Cazzarelli. Now Cazzarelli motions him to go back to the mound and pitch. Derringer starts back there, climbs up on the hill. He's a big fellow, this Derringer. He's quite a competitor. The county has on Greenberg, who is equally big, three and one. Of course, Hank doesn't weigh quite as much as Derringer does. It puts them uh, both together on the same side of a heater board, and they'll hold it down for you. Uh, Derringer throws quickly to first base, trying to pick off Kramer, but Doc is in in time. Now he throws three and one to the plate to Derringer, and it's a high curve for ball four. Greenberg is left. That pushes Kramer down to second. That's the third base on balls given up by Derringer. It's control that's been responsible for two of them. He was ordered to uh, walk Cullenbine uh, in the first inning. Now the batter standing in for Detroit is Cullenbine. And he was walked purposely in his first at bat. So he's coming up for his first official turn right now. Runners at first and second and two out. Cullenbine takes a sweeping curve that's low and down by his chin for ball one. Mickey Livingston came up very nicely with that pitch. Now Derringer gets ready, tight, curved, and the last one is low. That's ball two. Put the Cubs fully defensively now. Derringer on the mound, Livingston behind the plate. At first is Cavaretta, at second is Don Johnson. At third is Stanley Hack, and at short is Roy Hughes. Lowry is in left field, Castro in center, and Bill Nicholson in right. Now the runners take their lead as Derringer throws two and nothing, swung on, beaten down into the ground foul, and up strike one. started this ball game for the Cubs. He's dealt it out in the first inning. Derringer has come on, and he's out there throwing now for the Cubs. He's throwing uh, two and run to Roy Cullenbine. Two out and two on here for the short and second. Cullenbine swings on a high curve and misses it. It's like two. So the count on Roy Cullenbine with a short right fielder with two balls, two strikes. There are two out, two on in the second inning. That's a flat of boosters. Now Derringer's ready. Down comes with the two and two pitch and misses with it high for ball three. Now it's a three and two situation. Roy Cullenbine, who is a pretty good clutch hitter. The score is five to one in favor of the short, as it now stands. But they're threatening you in the second inning. Derringer's with a three two and Cullenbine swinging on it. Fouls it back to first base on the ground. The count stays right on at three and two. Steve O'Neill running his ball club from behind third base. The coach is back there. Put on all kinds of signs. Cullenbine standing outside of batter's box watching him, too. He wants to get everything the boss has to say. Now we're all ready. Derringer throws three and two. Cullenbine takes, and it's high and outside for ball four. And that is the first base on balls given up by Derringer. And the second time, the Cullenbine has been walked. So Greenberg moves down to second, and Kramer, with two outs, moves over to third. So Derringer's gotten himself in a little bit of trouble here by his own wildness. The bases are loaded with Tigers in second, and the batter is Rudy Ark. The big kickaboo takes a fast one in there for a strike. 
Up there in Jeanette, yes, there's a couple of fellas about the same size. Right over his head, he's leaking. Rudy at the plate takes the fast one in there again for a strike. That was poured over the inside corner just above the knees. Derringer looks down at Mickey Livingston. Chicago catcher sets him up as a target. Here comes the Owen Peter three. Rush takes it, and it's just under his knees for ball one. The bases are completely populated here in the second inning. Bermers at third, Jimberg at second, and Cullen Bryant at first. There are two away. Rudy York up there with a count of one ball, two strikes. Derringer throws him, and York puts down into the dirt at a high curve. And that off the point of his chin. So the count on York now is two balls, two strikes. Derringer taking his time now as he studies this situation very carefully. The two inches count on Rudy York. Derringer throws, York swings, and there's a ball hit out back of right field, and it falls off power by about five feet. There was a line drive spiked by Rudy York. He hit a high outside pitch and dumped it out back of right field. So the count stays right on to Rudy at two and two. York's a little base hit hungry. He'd like to get him a hold of one. First Derringer has other ideas as he gets ready for this next two and two delivery. Down at right, York swings on it and gets just enough of it to tip it foul. He's back on the ground all the way to the screen. Now the on York is two and two. The count in the ball game is the five and Chicago one. Derringer hasn't uh, waited through the tall grass here yet in the second inning. He's having himself a little trouble. The line throws two and two, yet takes a high throw for ball three. Now it's two and two. Down right down to the wire, and when Mickey Livingston tried that ball back to the mound, Paul Burns just sort of snapped it right out of the air with his gloved hand. He's a little mad at himself out there at the mound right now. The three and two count on Rudy York. The base is loaded and two outs in the top of the second inning. Burns throws three two. And it's taken by Rudy York on the inside for ball four. And another Detroit run is pushed across the plate. It's Doc Turner comes over to score from third base. The bases remain loaded as Greenberg takes the station at third. And Cullenbein moves down to second. That is rock number five and run number two given up by Derringer. And the score stands now at six for Detroit and one for Chicago. And I think that's going to be all for Big Paul Derringer. Yes, he's coming out of there now on High Vandenberg. Another right-hander is going to come on to pitch to Chicago. So Derringer is all through. He came in and pitched the first inning after uh, Barrera couldn't get anyone out. So he pitched one inning and two-thirds to the second. So he's pitched one and two-third innings. And he's out of there. This is not Derringer's ball game to lose. He'll just wind up this way. Because he came in with his ball club behind. Now stands Boy's game. But High Vandenberg is coming on here. B-A-N-B-E-N-B-E-R-G. High Vandenberg pitching in the second inning. The two away in the bases loaded, and he'll throw first of all to Outlaw, the third baseman. As far as Vandenberg is concerned, here in this World Series, he has six two and two third innings in relief. He's given up a a couple of bases on balls. He struck out no one. He's won none, lost none. So Vandenberg takes the mound to struggle. 
He's the third pitcher for Charlie Graham. Vandenberg will be given an opportunity to throw a few warm-up pitches down to his battery mate, Mickey Livingston. Al Vandenberg's a pretty good prize fellow, too. He's 10, 6, 3 and a half, and weighs about 210 or 15 pounds. He comes from Abilene, Kansas, and now makes his home in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Vandenberg's no young career, he's 35 years of age. He's been around base off for quite some time. Except the concerned in the regular season, Vandenberg won seven and lost three for a percentage of 700. That's the Vandenberg that's on the mound right now for Chicago. Now the new battery of Vandenberg on the mound, Mickey Livingston behind the plate. Jimmy Outlaw steps up there with the bases loaded. Greenberg at third, Helen down at second, and Jeff at first. The six-to-one ball game in favor of Detroit. Vandenberg delivers. Two-quarter overhand takes the pin for a strike. Jimmy Adler came up in the first inning, and he too was well. So his two-game batting percentage for the series is 167, he's still intact. Vandenberg, the grab on right-handed delivers, and there's a sweeping curveball that misses just outside. Adler digs back in. Stands deep at the plate. There's a bat high on his right shoulder. Vandenberg twists. Throws a curveball, puts right back to the mound. Vandenberg knocks it down with his body, then puts it up, throws it to Caporetta, and that's all for Outlaw and the Tigers in second. So Vandenberg gets them out of there, but not before they've scored a run. One run on one hit. Three men left and the winner. So at the end of one and a half innings of play, the score stands for Tigers, six, and the Cubs, one. So now there's a moment. I want to bring baseball's famous pinch-hitting pitcher, Red Ruffing of the New York Yankees, to the microphone. Red, the standout pitcher of the American League, is the leading World Series pitcher of all time, having won seven consecutive victories and being charged with only two defeats. Red, I wish you'd tell the fans what you told me last evening about the slick, easy shave you get with the Gillette Blue Blade. Just what I thought, Al. I can't get a decent change with any other blade. Yeah, and tell him about it, Red. Okay, Al. I said your line. Look sharp, feel sharp. It comes a story up to me. The fellow does look better and feel better when he shaves with that Gillette blue blade. Well, that's what I wanted you to give the fans, Red. Thanks, Red Ruffin. Remember, men, look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette blue blades with a sharpest such as ever had. On the last half of the second inning. The first man up for Chicago is going to be Bill Nicholson. Bill is hitting at 208. He has five for 24 for his work in the series. One of those hits is a triple. And a very costly triple as far as the Cubs is concerned because it helped them lose the first game of the series. Now Newhouser pitches and Nicholson swings viciously and fires it way back onto the screen for strike one. And I can't help but wonder what uh, goes through Red Ruffin's head as he watches the uh, the American League is performed here this afternoon at Wrigley Field in Chicago. Red told me last night that he certainly would like to be pitching down there just any day in this series. New Hazard is throwing there for Detroit. He's got the curve and it's low to Nicholson for ball one. One and one is the count for Bill Nicholson. First man up to Chicago in the second inning. 
He has a throw to curve. And Nicholson swings down. There's a high foul ball. Going over near the third dugout. Richards catches over and he takes it for the out. That's there for Nicholson. Dialing up and out to Kathy Richards. That's the throw. The batter now is Mickey Livingston. Mickey missed just one of the ball games, so he's playing his sixth game of the World Series. He's had seven hits for 18 at-bats, and he is the number two hitter of all batsmen. He's going along hitting a 389. He's a right-hand hitter, standing deep at the plate. Take a look at the first pitch in his costume. And he has to head that one right in. No balls, one strike. Young short fastball delivers, and Livingston hits one down to third. Outlaw picks it up on a big hop, fires it over to Rudy York, and that's all for Livingston. Going out from third to first. Now we're all here. The shortstop is coming up. There are two outs here in the last of the second inning. The score stands Tiger 6, and the Chicago Cubs 1. And this is the seventh and final game of the 1945 World Series. He is hitting right-handed, batting at 286. And he has a positive curve at him, and it's good. Just above the knees on the outside corner of the strike one. He's bends over slightly from the waist. And he has a curve of change of pace in there, but just outside. That's ball one. One ball, one strike. He has a throws again. This time he swings on it and fouls it up into the second tier behind first base. Down in the bullpen for the Chicago Cubs, Paul Brown right-hander Paul Erickson is starting to get ready. Which leads us to believe that uh, if he's the time, Brandenburg may not hit. He has to deliver to the plate now, and he'll take it, and it's a nice called strike. That's the third one. And he has really had it in there. Let's see, as far as strikeouts are concerned, that's the second one for Hal. So at the end of two innings of play, with nothing to cross here to Chicago in a second, it is the Tigers six and the Cubs one. Well, you know, each day since the opening of this World Series, we've been explaining how these games are being broadcast to our service men and women overseas. As with the fair playing network of the Armed Forces Radio, our play-by-play descriptions are being short-waved from San Francisco to Japan and China, Alaska, South America, to the Philippines and to our Navy ships throughout the Pacific. From New York, they are beamed over the Atlantic to England, France, Germany, Italy, and to the Far East. We are happy to say that the Armed Forces Radio Service are receiving wires from all over the world telling them that the reception of the game so far has been excellent and that the men are getting a real thrill out of listening in. As Wendy Carter said to a correspondent in Tokyo, this is the next thing to bring out there in the bleachers. If we only had some hot dogs. Yes, our bleachers this year extended clear out to Tokyo on one side and over to Berlin and Vienna on the other side. To all you men and women out there, we send our greetings and our sincere hope that you'll be back here with us when the World Series rolls around next year. Well, the third inning is rolled around here at Wrigley Field in Chicago. It's a six-to-one ball game in favor of the Detroit Tigers. As we start, the first half of inning number three with Paul Richards the Detroit catcher up at back. Richards doubled back in the first inning to knock in three runs for the ball club. So he probably feels very fine about it. It's how Vandenberg makes the first hit. It's a fast curve strike. Livingston cuts out the time. Vandenberg takes it. Throws that pitch, it's a curveball of medium speed variety low for ball one. One and one is the count on Paul Richards. He's had one hit in one try. 
Then Big tries another curve, and Richard takes it, and it's a sweeping curve that's over the outside corner for a tall strike. So that makes the count one and two on the cross cap here. Brandenburg pumping nervously. Now for Ayers. A clear fire of Finn there for a tall strike three. Not far for Richard. He took it with his bat on his shoulder. And that's the first strikeout against the club this afternoon in High Brandenburg. The third of the Chicago pitchers hangs it up. The battle coming up now is Hal Newhouser. Hal came up in the first inning and grounded down to the right side and Johnson, the second baseman of the club, threw him out. Left-handed. Dan Ferg beats the plate. Brandon throws him. And misses with it just outside and blows the ball one. You have to have also five as a batsman in the field, so he has no batting to punish. He swings on the next foot, swings the first curve, hits down to the right side. Johnson's second picks it up on the right side of the diamond and hits it in the cataretta. And that's where you have it, going out from second to first, just as he did in the first inning. So that's the second out now for the Detroit. During the first half of inning number three. To the left, they're coming to the plate now. He's had one hit and two tries. He's got a single to right back in the first inning, if you recall. Randenburg has a big quarter overhand curve on him. And it's outside the ball one. Red standing forward at the plate this time. As close to the pitcher as he can. He swings on the next pitch and beats it down foul. The left of the plate and blows back toward the Chicago dugout. So the count now on Cedar Webb is one ball, one strike. Two outs. Top of the third inning. And the score stands at six to one in favor of the Detroit over Chicago. Down in Bill's ready. Now Hutchins is picked down there. And Cedar Webb swings on a wide curve and doesn't get it. That's strike two. Really weak for a two. He wanted to hit that one. One ball, two strikes. Brandenburg's ready now, delivers one and two, and Webb swings and fires it off into the screen. Count stays right on at one ball, two strikes. Webb has five hits for 25 at-bats as he turns at the plate right now. There's a big 28 on the back of his uniform shirt. He swings on his next hit, five hits it, out of the hot side of the middle, Mickey Livingston. First up, preserves the batting out, Peter Webb. So he'll be grinding the spikes down there again. There he goes. Crosses over the plate. High down and Berg delivers one and two. And it's taken low for ball two. Now two balls, two strikes. Red's always nervous with that bat at the plate. He comes it back and forth. Now he swings on his next pitch with the throw roll of the shortstop. Drew comes in nicely, picks it up, throws it to Cavaletti in time by Strad. And that is all for Webb, going out from short to first. So in the third inning for Detroit, no runs, no hits, no errors, and nobody left. And it's there, Detroit 6, and Chicago 1. Webb Ruffin, forward Yankee pitcher, speaking from this booth last inning, told you about the slick, easy shows he gets with today's Gillette Blue Blade. Now there are millions of shavers just as enthusiastic as Webb Ruffin about this Spanish razor blade. In fact, the Gillette Blue Blade is number one in preference the world over because it's number one in sharpness. Well, today's Gillette Blue Blade has the sharpest edges ever had. So sharp, so smoothly finished, so easy shaving, that tough beard's no problem at all. It's not easy to check all that. Just ask for Gillette Blue Blades and see how quick and how easy and how smooth and refreshing shaving can be. 
Man, what shows you get? Remember, look sharp, feel sharp, feel sharp. Use the left blue blades with the sharpest edges ever home. We pause now for seconds for station identification. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. This is WGN Chicago, serving the Middle West. Vandenberg is to be the first hitter for Chicago here in the last of the third inning. Vandenberg's coming up to the plate right now. Matter of fact, he has no hit. And no at-bats in the series. He takes the first pitch high for ball one. So this is his first official at-bat in the 1945 series. New comes down with the next delivery, and Vandenberg swings and doesn't get it. He's coming all the way around. So the count on Vandenberg now is one ball, one strike. First cut up in the third inning. And he has it working very well for the Cubs. Delivers. Vandenberg swings with the high fly ball out into right field. Up under it is Cullen Dine, and he's got it for the out. That's all for Vandenberg. A fly ball to right field to Will Cullen Dine. That brings up the second hitter. And starting the second batting around for Chicago is Stanley Hatch. He was struck out in the first inning. He's had 11 hits and 26 at bats during this 1945 series. He has a work, a kick, and there's a low curve on the outside for ball one. If Stanley Hack can get himself another base hit in this World Series, he will tie Eddie Rice for Washington and Pepper Martin of the St. Louis Cardinals for 12 hits in a single period. Then the big track, or rather, he has a track of curve, and it's outside to Hack for ball two. Two balls, no strike. We're in the last half of the third inning. The score is 6 to 1 in favor of the club. And one out to Chicago, no base runners, and Chandler Hack is up there for his second at bat. Newhouse is uh, kind of stingy with the shot, he's given him only two hits. He throws a curve in there now, and Hack drops up on it and then takes it and it's in for a strike. Now he's tied with two balls, one strike. Newhouse comes down with a fast one. In there, ball strike two, just above the hack knees and on the outside corner. And out of count on the Chicago third baseman, there's two balls, two strikes. Hack watches Newhouser get ready, then swings on his offering, hits a ball down the third. Outlaw comes up with it behind third, close to first, and that's all for Hack. Hack going out. Third to first, being thrown out by his opposing third baseman, Jimmy Outlaw. So that's the second out here in the last half of inning number three. About an hour's Johnson. Johnson got one of the two hits given up so far by Newhouser. But he doubled in the left center field, back in the first inning. Newhouser throws a medium speed curveball in there that swung on by Johnson and fouled off to the right of the plate, like one. with a new ball is ready. Delivers O and nothing. No ball, one strike. And gets it in there. Now it's O and three. No ball, three strikes. Johnson wants the hook. Snap down, in and over. Two outs, last to the third. No base running. He has to start the fashion. He has hit back past the mound, back to second. Peter Webb, right behind second, makes the pick up in the third of first nicely. For the out. And that's all for Johnson. 
Going out from short to first, being thrown out the feet away. So there's nothing to cross for the Cubs here in the last half of the third inning. No runs, no hits, no errors, nobody left. The score at the end of three innings of play in the seventh game of the 1945 World Series. There's Detroit six and Chicago one. As a matter of fact, Detroit has six runs on a total of five hits. And they have committed one error. Back for the Chicago Cubs, and they have one run on a total of two hits off Newhouse, and they have committed no errors. So we're headed for the top of the fourth inning with Richard Field in Chicago. And Al Vandenberg, the third of the Chicago pitchers, has taken the mound, and he'll throw first of all in the fourth inning to Eddie Merrill. Eddie Merrill will be followed by Doc Kramer and by left fielder Hans Greenberg. Merrill has been up twice in this bad game, and he's had one hit in two attempts. Back in the first inning, he got a single to right field. In the second inning, Mayo fly to center. Kramer hasn't been stopped so far today. He's had two hits, a single to left and a single to right. And he's two right back. And then Hans Greenberg sacrificed successfully in the first and was walked in the second. So Greenberg hasn't been up there really officially. Now Mayo is stepped in, hitting left-handed. Opens his hands slightly towards first base. Brandenburg. Grab on right handed delivery. There's a fastball swung on and beaten down into the ground foul. Rolls back toward the squad dugout. And the first hit struck one on Eddie Mayo. This is the ninth seven game series to be played. And six of eight have been won by the National League. Then Big Tiger a little clear this time. Change the pace. Variety and it's ball one. One ball, one strike to count on Eddie Mayo. Vandenberg comes right back to the one and one offering, and it's a third ball that hangs outside for ball three. Two and one. That's the count on Eddie Mayo. So he takes Tiger up. Fourth inning. Fastball is swung on by Mayo and missed completely for strike one. Grab the strike two. Two balls, two strikes. That was the first one he swung at in that manner. Two balls, two strikes. The count on Eddie Mayo, the first man up for Detroit here in the fourth inning. Brandenburg delivers two and two. There's an easy curve. It's in there for cross strike three. That's all for Mayo. That's for Brandenburg. It's strike out number two. He's the only uh, Chicago Cup pitcher. Whenever they do any business in that strikeout department with Detroit this afternoon. Now the batter is Buck Kramer. He's had two hits and two drives. Left-handed batter. Takes first pitch and is tossing. Right in there. Left under the lettering of the shirt. Right through the middle. Brandenburg rears back. Comes down with the change of first serve. It's reached for and there's a high pop-up. Back at shortstop. Hughes goes back about 15 feet on the grass and left field and grabs it to the out. It's off of Kramer, so he's been stopped now. That's the second out. The top of the fourth inning. That brings up Hank Greenberg for his first official at-bat. His three-game batting percentage is 333 still right. Look at that outfield move back and Greenberg digs in. Larry moves back and left. Pasco moves over to left center and moves way back. Brandenburg tries to curve on him. Greenberg takes it. High for ball one. Nicholson is over almost into right center field. Big hole in right field down near the line. Brandenburg throws and Greenberg takes there's an inside curve just off the short ribs to ball two. Two balls, no strike. 
Vandenberg blows on the fingers of his pitching hand. Now grips that ball. Steps up, delivers. Low for ball three. Well, the count on Greenberg now. Three balls, no strike. He looks around to third base, Steve O'Neill, to see whether or not he's going to be allowed to go for this 3 nothing pitch. Vandenberg makes it, but it's taken. It's in for strike. Three and one. waves that war club back and forth. Takes his next pitch and it's under his knees and on the inside for ball four. The Greenberg is walked with two away here in the fourth inning. That's the first walk given up by Vandenberg. That's walk number six. That has been given to the Detroit Tigers. Now the fellow that has been receiving most of the walks is George Cullenbein. He's been sitting to two of them and he's up there now. Vandenberg starts to work on Cullendine and misses with a low craftsman on the inside for ball one. One ball, no strike. Greenberg steps off at first. Two away here in the top of the fourth. Cullendine reaches for a curveball and beats it down into ground foul. So the count now on Cullendine is one and one. One ball, one strike. Draw hitting left-handed against the right-handed offerings of high-handed third. Greenberg steps off at first. Vandenberg sticks the third one on. There's a long line drive foul out back of right field. Columbine also broke his bat on that one. Fell away from an inside hook and tried to pull it into right, but pulled it too much. And the count is one and two on Columbine. One ball, two strikes. And a little time has been called here now to allow Columbine to walk over to the Tiger dugout collect his favorite piece of lumber. Trudging back up to the plate of that Rovo slugger he carries over his shoulder. Gets in there now. The count is one ball, two strikes. On Roy Cullenbine, two outs in the top of the fourth, and Hank Greenberg, who was walked, is on his first. Vandenberg delivers, there goes Greenberg. The ball is swung on and missed and dropped by Mickey Livingston, but he makes the peg down to first, first base in time, and it's a strikeout nevertheless. Cullenbein is out of there. So Vandenberg hangs up strikeout number three. And here in the fourth inning, no runs, no hits. One man left and there were no errors. So at the end of three and a half innings of play, the score stands Tigers six and the Cubs one. Well, we all like to watch a pitcher who can fog them through. Yes, he's a great thing when it's combined with perfect control. He's got for plenty and shading, too, when it's hooked up with real comfort. Now that's the kind of shaving you get when you use Gillette Brushless Shaving Cream. Gillette Brushless removes moisture-resisting oil from your whiskers almost instantly. What's more, it blankets a barrel of water against them, giving every bristle a thorough soak. Yes, Gillette Brushless softens stubble and jig grind, stays wet on your face, lubricates your blade, and makes shaving lots quicker and easier. For extra shaving speed and comfort, ask your dealer for Gillette Brushless. If he's out of stock today because of wartime shortages, he'll have to let Buster soon. Now for the last half of inning number four. The score stands six to one in favor of the Tigers over the Cubs. And Peanut Flowery is coming up for his second at-bat here in the seventh game. He's over one. He was a base run in the first inning when Newhouse bobbled his attempted sacrifice. Now Hal out on the mound makes the pitch and there's a nice hook in there for a strike. Little Larry gets down, gets a double handful of dirt. Former G.I. waves that bat back and forth now. 
Donahue has a cut the pitch loose, and Larry takes it high. That's ball one. One ball and strike. He has it worked again. Larry swings on it, there's a fly ball going out of the right center field. Going over for it is Doc Kramer, Cullenbein cuts in front of him and takes it for the out. So on right center field, it was Roy Cullenbein who shoots in front of Doc Kramer to make the put out. That's one away in the last of the fourth inning for the Chicago Cubs. So Phil Cavaletta has hit him the only run so far for Chicago today. And he's coming up now. Cavaletta had a single in the first inning to right field. The folks here are being asked to remove the blanket from the wall in deep center field. Now they've done so, and the ball game is going to go on. Newhauser going left-handed. First, takes the first pitch, and it's a curve ball that stays outside to the left-hand hitter, Phil Cabaretta. Fair ball one. Newhauser tries again, Cabaretta laces it around in the center field. It's dropping in for a base hit. Doc Kramer picks it up on the third tip and fires it into Eddie Mayo, the second baseman. Cabaretta is on with a solid hit in the center. That's hit number three off Newhauser. And the batter is Andy Pasco and the stands here at Chicago very suddenly come to life. by the wind, and it winds up as a triple for Patco to score Cabaretta all the way from first, and the throw that came into the plate was low and into the dirt, and Richard couldn't pick it up. Here is Bill Nicholson. Well, I think a lot of Nicholson wins in this one. That's right, number four and run number two off here, Now a six-to-two ball game. Now the leaders and Nicholson make a play take blur and on the outside for ball one. One ball, one strike. That's the ball on Nicholson. He fouled up and out the second and in the effort. There he's there for one. Pretty good. He has to deliver the fast serve under the knees of Nicholson for ball two. Two balls, one strike. There's one out for the five ball here in the third. They're trying to get back into this ball game. The third time for the first pitch on Chicago field. That's where they start off there. Look at the plane and hit the ball easy back to the mile. You have to drive the runner back in the third, close the first in time, and that's all for Nicholson. He caught this swing and rolled it back toward the mile. Nicholson thrown out from Newhouse. Back there holding on at third base. That is Livingston now. Came up in the second inning and was thrown out by a third baseman outlaw. Now New Houser is ready to deliver to him. Just passed toward third. Goes to the plate. It's swung on. Missed. On strike one. Livingston is going up to a high inside two. Missing the right-handed hitter. The blue soldier who is the number two hitter in the series as far as batsmen are concerned. He's had seven hits for 19 tries. Now Newhouser is ready. It is 0-1 to the plate. 
And as the ball hit right back to the mound, Newhouse was grabbed the first quickly, throws it over to first. And that's all for Livingston. Uh, that's all for the Chicago Cubs here in the fourth inning. So, despite the triple, Newhouse got out of it rather uh, easily. And very uh, inexpensively. One run, two hits, one man left, and no error. So at the end of four full innings to play, the score stands six for the Tigers, two for the Cubs. Before we get into the top half of the fifth inning, I'd just like to remind you that for a rousing time, get your friends together Friday night and enjoy a fucking good step on select cavalcade of sports. Yes, for the major boxing event of the week, every week, the year-round, you're in select cavalcade of sports Friday night. Consult the newspaper for a local station and local time. Now for the first half of inning number five. This is quite a knockdown, drag-out ball game. Chicago Cubs and the Detroit Tigers fighting for the World Championship during the seventh game of the 1945 World Series at Wrigley Field in Chicago. The first man up for the court here in the first inning is going to be Rudy York. He's twice been up there, but just once officially. He came up in the first inning and popped up an out to third base in the second half. Then in the second inning, he was left. So York is coming up actually for his second official at bat. He's 0 for 1. No hits and one try. Out on the mound, High Vandenberg, looking for the Chicago Club, has hit the Rosen Dragon, who's ready to go. Rudy York, big, powerful right-hand hitter, very thick, tough, smoothly, touch the shoulder. Watches the first pitch whistle in, and it's low for ball one. Pitch two balls in, and play with the Tigers. Vandenberg twists and throws an overhand curve, a strung on and fouled off by York, just like one. One ball, one strike. That's the count on Rudy York. York looks down at O'Neill behind third. He ball plays very carefully what's the manager. So he's released first. Time to change. Down the big little running one. It's a medium speed third ball. It's over for a strike. Now it's running through. One ball, two strikes. York waits. Running big third. York swings. And there's a diamond ball to third. Passes up with it. There's the throw over to Cabaretta up first, and that is all for York. Passing out from third to first. Well, that's one away here in the top of the first inning. The matter coming up there now for the third is in the outlaw. He walked in the first. Put back to the mound and he's thrown out. Got a pitch in the second inning. The outlaw has gone up there once a pitch and has failed to get a hit. Vandenberg throws a curve in there with an outlaw off. A little right-handed hitter swings on him, falls right back onto the screen, just like that. Outfield immediately, and outlaw comes up there. Drops in a couple of steps. Vandenberg now with one away in the fifth delivery. An outlaw almost took the swing of that one, but pulled up in time to take a blow for ball one. One ball and one strike. It's a count on third base in the outlaw to the short target. Vandenberg, the big right-hander throws. There's a high curve, left off the pink of the cap. That's ball two. Two balls, one strike. Here comes the two-run delivery. And it's swung on as it just over the outstretched fingertips of Hughes, right into left field for a base hit. So Adler singles right over shortstop. Out in the left. Next, it off Vandenberg. That's at number six. As far as the court is concerned, and now they have an equal number of runs on foot. 
taken by Mickey Livingston Marshall. And the count jumps to two and two on Hal Newhouse. Two balls, two strikes. Two outs and a man at second. The score is six to two in favor of Detroit. Brandenburg has the sign again. Gets a retake. Now he's ready. Delivers two and two. And Newhouse swings and fouls it right up onto the screen, right in front of our mutual. Two and two. <laughs> two swings on the next pitch, and there's a fly ball hit out into left field. Larry has to hurry. He doesn't make the catch. Larry had to come up in a big hurry and overthrow the line in left field, but he was right there. Made the catch. So there's no run. One hit, and a man left, and there were no errors. So at the end of four and a half innings of play, the score stands. The Tigers pitch, and the Cubs, too. So, has plenty of blessings. Among them is the thrill we all get at seeing the good things we've missed during the war reappear. So when I tell you that the famous Easy Shaving Gillette Tech Razor is coming back on dealers' counters all over the country, I can just hear a lot of you fellas say, hot dog. Now most stores have the Gillette Tech in stock right now, and you'll probably find one where you pay. So be on the lookout for the Gillette Tech Razor you and plenty of other men have been waiting for. It's on the way with all-metal gold-plated heads, plus five super-keen Gillette blue blades at the popular pre-war price of only 49 cents. What shave you get, how quick and how easy, how smooth and how refreshing. Yes, happy shaves are here again. Ask your dealer for your Gillette Tech Razor with five perfect shaving Gillette blue blades at 49 cents. And now for the last portion of the seventh game of the 1945 World Series, to close up shop, put it in the book, there's a guy that can do it. Bill Slater. You ready, Bill? Thank you, Al. Yep. Roy Hughes is the first batter up for the Cubs here in the last of the fifth. First spring Roy struck out his first time up. 24-year-old Hal Newhouse gets ready to pitch to Hughes. Here it comes. Hughes backs away from it. An inside pitch for ball one. Jolly Charlie Grimm with his team trailing by four runs. He's cutting up papers galore down in that third base coaching box. He wants Hughes to hit and get on. Hughes swings. Foul pitcher. Strike one. One ball, one strike. Don't go away, y'all. This game isn't over yet. Pitch two. The Tigers are out in front, and Hal Newhouser, the best of their pitchers, is looking mighty keen. Just the same these Cubs are fighting back. Newhouser works. It's good. A curveball gets the inside corner. Hughes is sore about it. He throws his bat down and walks away from the plate. And Charlie Grimm comes walking in from third, and he's not happy now. With a curveball. Hit the inside corner. Now Hughes and Passarella have got themselves a bit of a run to lay on down there. Hughes is taking his chin out of Passarella. Passarella's talking right back to him, too. That Passarella was a military policeman in the Army. Now Hughes picks his bat up again, and meanwhile, out on the mound, Hal Newhouser is flailing his arms around like a windmill, trying to keep warm. It's a cool day. Here they are, ready to go again. Here's a pitch to Hughes. It's inside. Ball two. Two balls, two strikes. And a derisive roar from the crowd, who disagreed with the call on that last one. Two and two now on Roy Hughes. Newhouse is ready. Here it is. He takes it, and it is called strike three. And Hughes is sore again. But he's out of there. That's the second time that Roy Hughes has struck out in this ball game, and for Newhouse, he's had to strike out number three. Two of them he's selected off of Hughes. Now, here's a pinch hitter coming up. 
in place of High Vandenberg at Eddie Sauer. Sauer stepping up there, right-handed uh, hitter. This is Sauer's second time up as a pinch hitter in the ball game, and Newhouse is promptly greeting with a fast call strike, a curveball that whipped in and over. Sauer's an outfielder by trade, and he hails from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a right-handed batter. One strike on him. Newhouse works down low into the dirt, scooped up by Richards. The crowd, hooping a bit, are giving Passarella a bit of a razzle One and one on Sauer. That pitch is high for ball two. S-A-U-E-R. Eddie Sauer. Newhouser, who has a commanding lead in this ball game, is taking plenty of time on every pitch. He's never pitched a more important battle than this in his life. Sauer swings on that one, fouls it into the big netting here behind the catcher. Two balls, two strikes on Sauer. The next pitcher will either be Paso or Erickson, I believe. They both seem to be working out down there in the bullpen for the club. Now a new ball put in play. Newhausen has it rubbed up. There's the pitch. It's a little too high. Makes a ball three for a full count on Sauer, the pinch hitter. There have been more pinch hitters used in this series, as you know, than any other series in all baseball history. Here it is. Sauer swings, strikes out. Strikeout number four for Newhouser. Two out for Chicago in the last half of the fifth. And now the leadoff hitter, Stanley Hack, comes up to start the third batting around for the Cubs. Stanley has been turned back to two previous appearances at the plate by Hal Newhouser. Coward. Hack takes the fast call strike. Newhouser seems to be getting sharper and sharper as this game wears along. Here it comes. Hack swings on it. There's a ground ball to shortstop. Peter Webb scoops it out of the dirt. The throw to first is just in time. Hack is out by half a stride. So in the last of the fifth inning, there's nothing across the Chicago Cubs. And the score at the end of five full innings of play is Detroit six and Chicago two. And I believe it's big blonde Paul Erickson who's coming in to be the next pitcher for the Cubs. We'll wait till he's officially announced. He's taking the stride in, though, from out there in left field where the bullpen is located. And while Erickson is coming to the mound to complete his warm-up pitches and to appear as the fourth pitcher this afternoon for the Chicago Cubs, now let's pause here at 10 seconds for station identification. Remember, men, look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette Blue Blades with the sharpest edges ever home. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. This is WGN Chicago serving the Middle West. Well, Charlie Graham, as you can see, is using every bit of ammunition he has in his whole arsenal to try to pull this game out of the fire. This is the fourth pitcher we told you who came out there. As you know, but to remind you of the late tuner in you are, Hank Barroy started the ball game and they collected three hits in a row off of him. And that was all for him. Then big um Paul Derringer came in. He was relieved by Vandenberg in the second inning. Vandenberg pitched mighty classy ball. He gave up only one hit. The only hit he's given up in the series. And now Vandenberg was lifted in the last half of the fifth inning for a pinch hitter. And so we have blonde Paul Erickson, a big right-hander. So far in this series, Erickson has appeared in three games. This is the fourth game he's come in as a pinch pitcher. 
He had pitched five innings and given up six hits. Erickson Hales from Zion, Illinois. He stands 6'2", and he weighs 200 pounds, and he's a big, impressive figure out there on the mound. Getting ready to pitch now to Jimmy Webb, the right-handed hitting shortstop. And he feeds him a call strike. That was a fastball that clipped the inside corner, waist high. Webb is starting the fourth batting around for the target. Erickson works sidearm, and Webb fouls it off to strike two. The ball two strikes on Jimmy Peter Webb. But Peter's got his three-year-old little daughter, Carol Ann, here. She's a nice-looking kid. Two strikes on Carol Ann's papa. Swings on that one. There's a fly ball going into center field. In comes Pasco. He's under it now and takes it for the out and falls to one knee after he does so. But I don't think he's hurt. Nope. The web is out of there. And the Pasco in center field. Okay. That's one away for Detroit now in the top of the sixth inning. And this is a tense battle, and you can tell by the fact that you don't get too much noise in the background, except when there's a Cub rally on, that these Chicago fans are pulling, pulling, pulling for their team. And here's Eddie Mayo stepping up, batting left-handed. Takes the call strike. Erickson was very fast with the curveball, just above the knees on the outside corner. Mayo bats left-handed. He's one for three in this game. Backs away from an inside pitch that's low by the chin. Ball one. One ball, one strike. Mayo usually parks his chewing gum on that button on the top of his cap, but I haven't seen him doing it in the World Series. This is a little bit too serious to be parking gum on your cap. One and one on Mayo. There you can the side arm. It's too high. Ball two. Al is taking a look at the Mayo through his glasses and just to keep all the reporting straight. The gum's up there. I bet it freezes. Two balls, one strike on Mayo as Erickson takes plenty of time for this next pitch. Now the big guy winds up delivers. Mayo swings on it. There's a fly ball going into left field. Off to his left is Lowry and on the run. He makes a good catch. That was a pretty deep hit ball. Peanut Lowry starting with the crack of the bat was running back into his left. In fact, almost to that fine covered wall out there he made the catch. Mayo is out, and that's two outs for Detroit now on the top of the sixth inning. And here's Doc Kramer, who's been pretty sensational today. He's gone two for three. He now has ten hits, and that's more than any other Tiger. Swings on one, slaps it down the left field line, foul. Goes over into the stand. A dozen and one people stand up and reach their fingers up to try to catch that. He's got a broken finger that way. One strike on Doc Kramer from Manahawken, New Jersey. The Fox Hunter. Swings on that one, claps it out in center field. There's another hit for him. The ball rolls out to Pasco in center field, and he throws it back into second. And Kramer is on with his third hit of the afternoon. That, of course, is the first hit off Erickson. And the batter coming up is Greenberg. And there's a stir in the stands as Big Hank advances to the plate. Hank has been walked twice today, and he's been walked six times in the series. First time up this afternoon, he sacrificed successfully. So Big Hank, the long ball hitter, who has slugged out two home runs, three doubles, steps up there. And he gets the call strike. Erickson was sharp with a fast curve, just below the shoulders to Mr. Greenberg. Hank's got one of his wrists taped up today. Here it is. Greenberg takes it outside. One ball, one strike. And Peanut Lowry is gone to deep out the left field. You can barely see the little fella. He's backed up there. It was over his head that Hank 
Ringberg slugged that one yesterday. Here it comes. Ringberg takes another call strike. And Hank, who's usually pretty genial, looks a little bit uh, irritated at that. Two strikes on him. The outfield plays Greenberg so that there's a big hole between center field and right field. They pull him around to the left. He's a right-handed slugger and a full hitter. Kramer leads off first, two out. There's a throw to first. Kramer hops back on. For all of his 39 years, Doc Kramer says he's going to continue to play baseball until somebody beats him out of there. That's the spirit. Greenberg fouls that one off. Lands in the big fishing net here behind the statue. Count is still one ball, two strikes. On Henry Greenberg. I think that's the first time in this series he's been called Henry. Eggs work. There's Kramer breaking for second. The pitch is outside. Livingston has a hard time holding it. And Kramer goes on down to second unmolested. And it's a stolen base for him. That's the third stolen base for the Tigers in this series, and the second one today. Helen Vine, Outlaw, and Kramer have now all filled for the bag. The Cubs, on the other hand, have two stolen bases. Johnson and Papco snitched them. Alan Greenberg has two balls, two strikes. The pitch swung on, fouled off. Rolls down off the net. Count remains two and two. Two balls, two strikes, two out, a man on base number two. Just tuned in, we're in the top of the sixth inning. The score is six to two in favor of Detroit. Now, big Paul Erickson in that pink and white uniform with his stretches. Delivered to Greenberg, who strikes out. Boy, you can get elected mayor of Chicago by striking out Greenberg today. That's all for the Tigers in the top of the six. No runs to hit a man left on, and there were no errors. So as we head to the last of the six, the score is Detroit six, Chicago two. Fans, doesn't it stand to reason that Gillette, of all folks, has the resources, experience, and skills to produce the kind of shaving cream that you want, the kind that softens your beard thoroughly and makes shaving more comfortable? Well, take it from yours truly, that's just what Gillette Lather Shaving Cream does. It makes a rich, moisture-laden lather that holds a barrel of water and releases it freely, soaking every bristle and keeping your whiskers soft all the while you shave. Your razor glides like a feather. You get shaves that are shaved. Men, Gillette Lather Shaving Cream stays wet on your face and keeps your whiskers properly conditioned while you shave. Moreover, it's kind to your skin, and it has a fleeting fragrance that men prefer. You get cleaner, smoother, better-looking shaves, and you save money, too. When you use Gillette Lather Shaving Cream, a quarter. The last half of the sixth inning. And Chicago, trailing by four runs, finds that the chances are running out. The fans of time are working against them. And they have, in the regulation distance, four more times at bat to salvage this ball game. Helps the Tigers march out of Wrigley Field World Champions for 1945. Now Newhouser is flailing that arm around a bit. And here's Johnson up, a right-handed hitter who is one for two. And there's a call strike, a beautiful curve by Newhouser. Ooh, that fella has stuff. One strike on Don Johnson. Johnson doubles in the first minute. Swings on that one, fouls off, two strikes. He lands on the net behind the catcher. 
Paul Richards. Richards comes from Waxahachie. He tells me that's the way to pronounce it down in Texas. We've been calling it Waxahachie, and we apologize now to every citizen of Waxahachie. Two strikes on Johnson. Now Richards of Waxahachie gives the signal to Newhausen. He's ready to go. Johnson swings, strikes out. That is strikeout number five for Newhausen. Newhausen struck out one in the first inning, one in the second, none in the third, none in the fourth, two in the fifth, and now one in the sixth. The batter now is Peanut Lowry, a right-handed hitter who is all for two today. Peanut starts his swing, slaps it out into left field. It's a single. Greenberg coming up to field it, bobbles it for a minute. But Lowry, after taking a sharp turn at first, goes back to first. Single for Peanut, and it is hit number five off Newhauser. And Cabaretta, who's had a hit every time this afternoon, steps up to the plate. Phil now has 10 hits in this series out of 24 times up. He's had two doubles and a homer. The pitch going is low and outside. Ball one. Newhausen will be pitching with extreme pair to Phil Cabaretta, the star first baseman and the National League batting champion. Lowry leads off first. Here's the pitch. High and outside. The pair of the broke away. Ball two on Cabaretta. You can hear the ascending roar of the fans here in Wrigley Field. As again, the Cubs start a threat. That's a call strike. Three-quarter speed curve ball that's hooked over there for Newhausen. Cabaretta took it. Two and one. Outfield is straight away, but deep on Cabaretta. He swings on a low-breaking curve and misses it. That's that low outside curve that Cabaretta swung on three or four times I can think of in the series. Now Newhauser watches Lowry at first, limits the plate. Cabaretta takes it. Ball three. Now it's a full count. Three and two. And Grimm, coaching at third, bends over, puts his hands on his knees, and he's not jolly now. He's stern and tense. Newhauser stretches. Here's the three and two pitch. It's swung on. There's a fly ball. Stopped in the center field. In comes Kramer. He comes up to it and catches it. And Lowry's going to have to hurry to get back to first, but does so. Caparetta's out on a fly to short center field that Doc Kramer had to come ruffling in to get. Lowry remains at first. There are two outs. And here's Andy Pasco, who has hit the extremes in his batting today. The first time up, he hit into a double play. The last time, back in inning number four, he got a triple for Benefield. He's a right-handed hitter, is Andy. He's one of the six Pasco brothers from up Wisconsin way. Allows the pitch again. It's good. Fast curve midway between the waist and knees. And he took it. One strike. There's strike two. That was a fast curve on the inside corner. Pasco crowds the plate just a little. He wasn't sure of that one. Two strikes. Pasco's had six hits. 26 times up in this series. That one's low into the dirt. Ball one. One ball, two strikes. Two out, a runner at first. 
Harold Newhouse's touches, delivers, and he strikes out. That goes out of there, and that's strikeout number six for Newhouse. He struck out two of them this inning, and he struck out two in inning number five. So in the last half of the sixth inning, no runs for Chicago. One hit, one base runner left on, and there are no errors. So the score at the end of six full innings of play is Detroit six and Chicago two. That makes for uh, Mr. Newhouse in the series 18 total strikeouts. And now we move into inning number seven. And as we said, the issue is becoming sharper and sharper with each advancing inning. And now there are only three innings left. The Tigers are out in front, six to two. And on the mound, Erickson is completing his warm-up pitches. Behind the plate is Mickey Livingston, the fiery guy from South Carolina. And at first is Tavaretta, and at second is Johnson, and at shortstop is Roy Hughes, Whispering Roy. And at third is the great Stan Hatch. And in left field is little Peanut Lowry. And in center field there's Andy Pasco. And out in right field is Bad Bill Nicholson. And those are the Cubs in the field. And they're behind now. And Detroit threatens to take the series from them. As they did ten years ago. Now the first Detroit batter in inning number seven. Roy Cullenbein. He has been walked seven times in this series. And he's struck out twice. Today he's been walked twice and struck out once. That was his last time up. Pitch to him is low and outside by Paul Erickson. Ball one. Columbine, big and husky. Can hit from either side of the plate. Batting left-handed, of course, against right-handed pitching. Erickson works. Outside. The side-arm delivery that didn't quite do what Paul wanted to. Columbine started for it, checked swing, and it was in just above the knees. Two balls, one strike now. Columbine, a citizen of Detroit. Quite a bowler up there, as a matter of fact. A lot of ball players like to bowl. Here's the pitch, inside. Ball three. Three balls, one strike now on the first batter for Detroit in the top of the seventh. Erickson looked a little disconsolate after the call on that last one. There's no activity in the cup bullpen right now. That's a call strike on Columbine, who had turned as if to start down to first. Columbine has been walked more than anybody in the series. He's had seven Annie Oakley. Now the count on him is three and two, and the strings, he runs up. Erickson's working. It's high, and Columbine has walked again. That gives him eight walks in the series. Now, don't uh, get record-minded on that, because the record number of walks garnered by any batter in the World Series is 11. Columbine's three away from that. And, of course, that was Ruth back in 26 in the seven-game series between the Yanks and the Cards. The Babe was walked 11 times. Now the batter is Rudy York. Erickson pitches him high and inside for ball one. Columbine is first. This is York's third official time up today. He hasn't hit yet. He just walked one. York in the series has been walked three times. Struck out three times, too, incidentally. Swings! Misses it. Foul tipped it. Went for whomping into the chest protector of the umpire. One ball, one strike. 
center fielder moves a little to his right, to our left on York. And Nicholson goes over to the left, too, the right fielder. Pretty good piece of territory between Nicholson and the right field line. York swings, misses. Strike two. Rudy didn't swing with his full, full power on that. And now there is activity in the Cup bullpen. It's Ray Prim out there. Limbering up that left arm of his. One and two is Erickson's count on York. Pitch. Strike three. Call. That's the second strikeout for Paul Erickson. Helen Bine is still at first. One out for Detroit in the top of the seventh. Just tuned in. Scores six to two in favor of Detroit. Now here's little Jimmy Outlaw. He's had one hit out of two official times up. Right-handed batter. Swings on a foul ball as Cullenbine votes for second. The ball goes down into the stands there, and Cullenbine will go back to first. That's a strike on Outlaw. Jimmy batted in a run back in inning number one by the simple process of being walked. He batted in three runs in the series. He's had five hits out of 26 times up. Now Outlaw's ready to go again. Erickson pitches high. Ball one. One and one on little Jimmy. Who hails from down in Jackson, Alabama. He's very well liked there, and I may add everywhere. He's a swell little guy. There's a throw over to first. Big Roy Cullenbine was not far off, and so he didn't have to do much by way of getting back. There's some work. Cullenbine is breaking, and the ball is popped up into short center field. In comes Pasco under it, and Cullenbine halfway down to second, beats his way back to first. Pasco took it on the run to the out on Outlaw. Two out. Top of the seven. The batter now is Paul Richard, right-handed hitter who has a double out of three times up, and he has driven in three runs this afternoon and five in the series. I had a wire from down in Atlanta where he used to be the manager of the crackers, and they said down there we affectionately call him Old Slug. So Old Slug swings and misses one. That's a strike on Paul. He's from Waxahachie, Texas. From right-handed hitter. Swings, fouls it off, falls to the ground. Now he's up again. He was sort of trying to move himself out of the way of that pitch. His bat came swinging around, and the ball caromed off his bat, and he ended up on the ground. Two strikes. Cullenbine, who was walked, is still at first, and there are two outs. There he works. Down low into the dirt. Usually held up by Mickey Livingston. O'Neill, coaching down at third, is looking down at the ground, kicking the dirt a little bit. And I imagine at this particular point, his heart is full of joy and nervousness. There's a pitch to Richard. He swings on it, slaps out. Center field is falling in for a hit. It's falling to the left of Pasco. It's rolling to the wall out there. Here's Cullenbine rounding third. He's headed for the plate. Here comes the throw into second, and Richard lazily holds up at second with a run-producing double. Double of the afternoon for Old Slug, Paul Richard, and it's his fourth run batted in today. And for Detroit, it is run number seven, and they lead the Cubs now by a score of seven to two. 
There's a round of applause for Newhouse as he comes up. That's left-handed. Harrington pitches him inside. Ball one. Paul Richards takes a lazy lead off second there. Not lazy in that sense. He's just relaxed. Newhouse swings on one. Claps out towards center field. Pasco going to his right. Takes it nicely on the run. That's all for Detroit in the top of the seven. One run on one hit. There was one base runner left on. There were no Cub errors. And the score at the end of six and a half innings of play is Detroit seven and Chicago two. Well, now, just about everybody knows genial Irish Joe Cronin of the Boston Red Sox, one of the greatest shortstops of all time. Joe, who has spent more years as a player manager than any other major leaguer, is with us here in the booth again this afternoon. Time ran short when you were on the air last Saturday, Joe, so let's pick up where we left off. You know, we say that the Gillette Razor and Gillette Blue Blade are the greatest shaving team on earth. Uh, what do you say, Joe? I'm with you 100% on that, Phil. In my experience, no other combination compares with it for easy shaving. Right you are, Joe. That's because the Gillette Razor and Gillette Blue Blade are made for each other and work together perfectly. Well, it sure do a smooth job of my whiskers every time. Well, that's putting it very straight, and thanks, Joe Cronin. Remember, men, look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette Blue Blade with the sharpest edges ever honed. And now it's the home half of the seventh inning. And still the Chicago fans are on their feet in the old baseball custom. Nicholson is going to be the first hitter for Chicago in the last of the seventh. And lefty Hal Newhouser, who in this series has won one and lost one, and is trying to pitch the Tigers into the World Championship in 1945 and doing pretty handsomely right now, is on the mound. And this young 24-year-old, who's a Detroit product all the way, started his athletic career in Wilbur Wright High School up there. One of the great stars in Tiger history this year is about to pitch to Nicholson. He does so, and Nicholson takes it it's outside. Ball one. Bill Nicholson hasn't had a hit today. He fouled out once to the catcher, and the next time hit back to Newhouser on the mound. Swings on this one. There's a high foul up coming back into the stand. Lands on the screen and lazily rolls off. One ball, one strike. And big Bill Nicholson. Nicholson has driven in seven runs so far in this series. That's more than anybody else. Newhouser lets it go. It's high, and Nicholson fouls it off, reaching for a high three-quarter speed curveball. One ball, two strikes. Nicholson's dark construction, he has that menacing attitude at the plate that we've described for you so many times. Our Passarella, the plate umpire, moves out there and holds, holds up the game for a second while some Tiger players in the bullpen down right field get off the field. Now Newhouse is ready to go, and here's the pitch. Nicholson swings on it. There's a bounding ball down to first. York has it. Crosses underhand to Newhouse, who steps on first just ahead of Nicholson for the out. Nicholson is out three to one. And that's another rather smoothly executed play at first base by Rudy York, whose defensive play in the series has attracted a great deal of comment, and deservedly so, too, because Rudy, not generally known as a great fielding first baseman, has been very, very sharp here in this seven-game 1945 series. Now the batter is Mickey Livingston. Former GI, that's right-handed. 
He has his living room and it's swung on and slapped out into left field for a hit. Greenberg fields it on the second bounce out there and there's his good throw into second. Livingston is on at first. That is the eighth hit in the series for Mickey Livingston and first one this afternoon. And Stubby Overmeyer is working in the bullpen for the Tigers now. The little short, stocky Michigan man. Mickey Livingston at first. The batter is pushing Roy Hughes. Got a lot of friends down in Cincinnati, has Hughes. Pitch to him is low and outside. Al Benson is now up and tossing the ball around in the bullpen of the Tigers also. Livingston at first with one out. Hughes attempts to bunt one that rolls foul. He was really wanting to get one down that third base line on Jimmy Outlaw, who's playing fairly deep on this right-handed hitter, and beat it out, of course. Rod Passeroli throwing the ball in the bullpen of the cup. Both managers keeping men all warmed up. Any little old brick, one way or the other, they're going to make a move. Now the count on Hughes, one ball, one strike. He has a pitch through and he fouls it into the crowd down the right field line. Two strikes. Colin Hughes started his baseball on the sand lot to Cincinnati where he was born. Lives in California now, however. That pitch is low into the dirt. It gets away from Richards. And going down to second is Mickey Livingston. To get the scoring on that for just a second, I've, in just a second, I have a hunch it was a wild pitch. It's a wild pitch. Ball was thrown into the dirt to the left of Richards. He tried to sweep it up. Then it bounced off his mask and rolled over toward the crowd here. While that was happening, Mickey Livingston was turning his way down to second. That's the first wild pitch that Hal Newhouse has made in the series. And one of the reasons why Hal Newhouse's production of wild pitches and his wildness has been cured as it has been in the last couple of years is that guy behind the plate, Richard. He's a crazy catcher at 37 and he's seen a lot of baseball. He's had a great deal to do with affecting the control that has made Newhouse a great left-handed pitcher of the last two years. Now the Cowan Hughes is two and two. Now it's three and two because that pitch is very high. The pitcher Erickson is supposed to hit next, but I imagine we'll have a pinch hitter for him. If you can do some business. That pitch is low into the dirt, bounces into Richard's glove. It's a walk for you. That's the first walk today, given up by Newhouser. And here comes Frank Shikori up to be a pinch hitter. Shikori's coming up as a pinch hitter. This will be the fifth game in which Shikori has been used as a pinch hitter. And he has had two hits out of four times up. That gives him as a pinch hitter a 500 batting average, which is nothing to be sneezed at. And now there are tough runners at first and second. There's only one out, and Sikori, a right-handed batter, is standing in there. There's a curve that comes in and over for a tall strike. Sikori's a big athlete with a great big number 49 on his back. He's an outfielder. He comes from Fort Huron in the state of Michigan. He was born in Iowa. Swing, fouls it off, strike two. Newhouser in a bit of trouble here. In the last half of the seventh. He's rubbing up the new ball very carefully himself. New 
Kaiser looked very calm and cool at breakfast this morning in the hotel. Benton and Overmeyer still working in the bullpen for the Tigers. Now Sikori is ready to go again, and Newhouser has that ball rubbed up. He has two strikes on Sikori. Now he has three strikes on him, a tall third strike. That was a very, very clever curveball that Newhouser put in there on the 0-2 pitch, and he got Sikori, who was standing patient. That makes it two out. The batter is packed. Smiling Stanley Camfield Hatch to California. He's been one of the stars of this series. That's left-handed. He's his fourth time up today, and he hasn't hit today, although he has 11 hits so far. The pitch is close to him and inside. Ball one. Livingston is second with Icky Pete. Hughes is first. Here's his two. Pitch the hack is high for ball two. Two and all the count. And regardless of how this series comes out, there's a great figure in baseball at that plate down there, Stan Hack. And out on that mound is a great young left-handed pitcher. He should have a magnificent career ahead of him, Harold Newhausen. Pitching here with very little rest today. There's a call strike that he whips in on Hack. Curve ball just above the knees, nip the outside corner to the left-handed batter. Down a uh, hot line drive the other day. 
Well, fouls that one off. It's a high pop-up coming back into the side. One ball, one strike. Now down in the bullpen for Chicago is Brooklyn Bob Brooklyn. A left One and one is the count for the third one. up Thomas and Mississippi Pastor had on red. Now the count's two and one because that pitch by Pastor was too high. Ball two. So working, short wind up, but taking high ball three. Three one. Of course, what's up for the Cubs now is to try to get these Tigers out of here just as rapidly as possible, then come back in the two innings of the regulation length to the left of Chicago, see what they can do about this five run deficit. That's a strike. Webb thought it was a little high and they started for first already. But Pato, the old master control artist, got it in just below the shoulder. Two and two. Three six. Five inside. Ball four. Wet the walk. That's just the second walk that Peter has gotten in the series. And for Paso, that's the eighth man's walk. Now the batter is Eddie Mayo. Mayo has one hit out of four times up today. And six to 27 in the series. Eddie pushed his left leg away from an inside pitch for ball one. Pato taking lots of time, takes a look at the web. It's being held on at first by Cabaretta. Takes a throw over the first as West just starts off, but West gets back in time. Ball one, the count on the batter. Eddie Mayo. Pato delivers, Mayo fouls it off on the ground, off to the right of the catcher. There comes that little Detroit bat boy, Gilbert Boy, a 14-year-older, steals that ball. His brother used to be bat boy for Detroit. He's wearing a windbreaker gray with seven sizes, two lines for him. Out on the batter, Mayo is one and one. Pato delivers. Mayo takes him a little bit high, bounces away from Livingston, but he quickly recovers it and holds Webb at first. Two balls, one strike now on Eddie Mayo. When this series is over, Mayo can go home now and work on that extension law course he's taking and also perfect that swing through the sunglasses he's working on. That's all work. Ball is fouled off as Webb was breaking for second. So Webb will go back. And the count now on Eddie Mayo rises. Two balls, two strikes. On deck to Josh Kramer, the hitting star of the afternoon. That's all with that sharp, considerable spin and jawline of his. Looks at the plate. Delivers now to Mayo. It's a little high. Ball three. Now again on Mayo, as on Webb, it's a full count. And there's plenty of activity in the bullpen of the cup. Tipman is still working down there. Here comes the three and two pitch to Mayo. 
Webb is breaking and Mayo fouls it off. Count remains three and two, and once more, Skeeter Webb will have to move himself back to first. We get an idea of the tension that mounts as this game nears its conclusion by the silence that comes up from the Chicago stands as the Tigers lead their favorites, the Cubs, by a score of 7-2. They're looking for that break. They're looking for that chance for the Cubs to get back in. There's a throw to first by Paso, and his brother, Mississippian, Peter Webb, gets back in time. Two balls, two strikes to count on Eddie Mayo. Here comes Mayo swings on it, flaps it down the left field line. A high leap by Hatchank, too. The ball is rolling to the corner. It's being chased by Lowry. Here comes uh, Webb around third, coming on in to score. And holding up a second with a double is Mayo. Now the score is 6 to 2. Detroit has a commanding lead. As the ball went soaring over his head down that left field line that rolled off into the corner, Zenas Lowry had to camper over that again. Because Lowry was still a little bit around to the right on the left hand of the hitter, and expecting the ball to be flashed down that left field line. Now he's got Springer coming up. That's time to bother who is three for four this afternoon. Springer fouls it off. Strike one. Eddie Mayo, who doubled just a moment ago, drove in Webb from first after Webb had been walked. And he doubled with his seventh foot. That's Mayo leading off second now. Feeling pretty good. Jack Kramer swings on that one, it on the ground, down to Don Johnson the second. Johnson bobbles it, picks it up close to first in time. And Johnson trying to jump it. That guy bobbled away from him, he reached up in the air with his right hand, plucked it out of the air, threw it to first. He got Kramer, Mayo going to third on the fly. One out, runner at third, four, eight to two in favor of Detroit, and the third goes through the crowd as Greenberg comes to the plate. Big man. Greenberg has walked twice, sacrificed once, and struck out once. He's his fifth time at the plate in this ball game. It's close to him and a little bit high. Ball one. And Detroit partisans there and their numbers are not losing. Are shouting for Hank to get a hit. They'd like to see him plug that long ball. That's so pick the side arm. Good for a tall strike. Just below the shoulders and on the inside. Pascoe's wiggling that ball up and down his left glove, his glove on his left hand. Greenberg fouls it off. Towering high foul goes into the stands in the upper tier. One ball, two strikes. Count on Henry Greenberg of the Bronx. I imagine a lot of Hank's former uh, buddies in the Army Air Force. Looking into this broadcast and see what that man has been doing. That takes the time inside for ball two. Two balls, two strikes now. Pato is walking around on the mound, kicking some dirt out of the way. Laying his breath on his hands as he does constantly. 
Freddie Mayo is leading off third. One out. Goes to six. Greenberg is high again. Ball three. Two balls, two strikes. So the fifth pitcher for Chicago this afternoon spells his name E A double S C O U. He has a count of two and two now on Greenberg. See what he does. There's the pitch. Greenberg swings on it, slices it out into left field, and Lowry comes in and makes a sensational running catch on it. There's the throw to the plate as Eddie Mayo comes in to score easily with run number nine. to go back to third and touch up. Lowry came in, made a running catch on that line drive of Greenberg's out in the left field, retiring Greenberg, but Mayo, speedy on his feet, come in to score, run number nine for Detroit. That makes it two out, nobody on, two runs in here in the top of the eighth inning, and up comes Columbine. Columbine, who has been walked eight times in this series, steps up there and fouls off the first pitch from Patrick. Strike one. So the road becomes cheaper for the Cubs. That's our delivers a little high. Cullenbein taking it to ball one. One ball, one strike. Cullenbein has struck out and scrolled three times in this game. Another pitch going to tie again for ball two. Big Roy, who got off to a slow start in the series, comes through in fair fashion. He has five hits out of 21 times up. Swings on that one. There's a towering high infield pop up back on the grass under this Johnson now. It's second and he takes it for the out. That's as far as the side to be short in the top of the roof inning. Two runs on one hit. The no base one is left on. And the no Chicago error. So at the end of seven and a half innings to play, the score is Detroit 9, Chicago 2. Well, it was Joe Cannon, famous for his affable way and his ready smile, who said earlier today that in his experience, no other shooting combination compares with the Gillette Razor and Gillette Blue Blade. Now I might add that in the Army and in the Navy, on land, on sea, and in the air, it's the Gillette Razor and Gillette Blue Blade by overwhelming odds. Naturally so. For the Gillette Blue Blade and the Gillette Razor are made for each other in the same factory by the same skilled craftsmen to the same high precision standards. Yes, today's Gillette Blue Blade and your Gillette Razor are the perfectly matched shaving combination. They fit exactly, work together beautifully, and turn in the smoothest performance long in shaving. Remember, look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette Blue Blade with the top. Again, Hal Newhouse returns to the mound. And again, Young Prince Hal. They work that left arm of his. And he has been, despite the fact that he got off in the series to a thousand shot and losing that post game at Detroit. He has been in the series as the main pitching helper of the Detroit Tigers. And it's Newhouse out there today. Pitching with just a couple of days left. Now he faces Sam Johnson, the second baseman of the Cubs, who backs right-handed. Johnson swings on that one, there's a high foul peeling back into the crown. Strike one on down. Johnson got a double his first time up in inning number one, rounded out in third inning, and struck out his last time up in inning number six. We have 
the pitch is low into the boat on the inside. Ball one. And ball one strike. This year won 25 games against nine losses to Detroit. And last year won 29 against nine losses. And he's sitting here this afternoon for his second World Series victory for the Detroit Tigers. Now he gets that ball. Ready to go. The one and one pitch to Johnson. He's high. Ball two. Two balls on strike. Johnson gets his back, swings to the slow one, cross balance, he fouls it off. Two balls, two strikes. Now Hank Wise is rounding up on the bullpen to Chicago. He has it taking more and more time with each passing pitch as the game goes on and on into its final thunder. Pitch is low into the boat. Ball three on Don Johnson. Front of the Tigers now, too. Benjamin Overmeyer. Johnson swings on that one. It's foul. On the ground outside the third base. Nine to two, the score of fans. And every loyal Chicago fan, blue blue sea heroes, will move into the last half of the race. There's the two and two picks to Johnson. He swings on it. Slaps it down. The short stop. It's taken on the first bounce. Plus Peter Webb will throw the yard in time. Johnson's out by two strides. Webb played a pretty snappy brand of baseball in this case. And Joey only won to earn and had more than his first year of chances there at shortstop. Now he's Peanut Flowers. The former MP in the Army. Stepped up there batting right-handed. One to three to go. The delivery swing is high. Ball one. Flowers had a hit in the series out of 28 times up. Takes the ball strike. I was a downer and I had a lot of stuff on it. That's inside that pitch. Ball two, two balls, two strikes on Lowry. One out and nobody on in the last half of the eighth inning. Al Newhauser calmly working. Winds up, left hands it in. It swung on, blooped down the left field line. In comes Greenberg. He can't come up to it. It falls in for a hit for Lowry. And Lowry is on at first. That's his second hit of the afternoon. Both of them hit out there to Greenberg in left field. Now comes Cabaretta. That is the seventh hit off Newhouser. The 22nd hit off of him in the series. Bill Cabaretta, who's two for three this afternoon. Steps up there. Dark complexion. Good looking, very quiet. Pitch to him is on the inside for ball one. New Houser works. Swung on by Cabaretta and it's hit back on the ground into center field. Lowry is turning his way down to third and Kramer feels the ball into second. Lowry is the third, Cabaretta at first. That was the third hit today for Cabaretta. Triple and three times up today. And the pressure is on Handy Andy. Swing 
Hands on that one. It's a high foul coming back into the stand. Strike one on Pasco. And here's the kid from the farm country of Wisconsin. Who were these five brothers used to get up in the morning an hour ahead of time so they could get their farm chores done and go out and play some Pasco baseball. And here he is with his team behind and back with a chance to strike a great blow for his team, the Chicago Cubs, here in the eighth inning of the deciding game of this 45 World Series. Swings on that one, hits it on the ground, foul, outside at third base. Score is 9-2 with Detroit in front. These Cubs, they're not through yet. Newhauser carefully rubbing up a new ball. Two strikes quickly on Pat, though. He's fouled off two of them. The pitch is swung on. He strikes out. Newhouser struck out Pafco twice in a row with men on bases. And for Newhouser, that is strikeout number eight. In the series, it's his 20th strikeout. That makes it two out now for Chicago in the last of the eight. And still, Caparetta's at first and Lowry at third. And here's Nicholson. And Nicholson hasn't hit today. Hasn't gotten the ball out of the infield. Takes an outside pitch for ball one. Nicholson, who has batted in seven runs, more than anybody else in the series. There, batting left-handed, swings on one. There's a high, towering foul off to the right of the plate. Richards goes over to the stands, but it's going into the stands. That's a strike on Nicholson. One ball, one strike on Bad Bill. Nicholson, the big fellow from down in Chesterton, Maryland. Fellow who was a kid, wanted to go to the United States Naval Academy at Annapolis. But color blindness kept him out. So he went to Washington College instead, graduated, and here he is, a Major League Baseball star. One and one on him. That pitch is down a little bit low, into the dirt. I think he foul-tipped it. Not sure. Foul-tipped hit Richards on the hand, and Richards is trotting over toward the dugout of the Tigers, and there will be time called now. Yep, Nicholson foul-tipped that one, just slightly, off of his bat. And it caught Richards on the hand, his right hand, and he promptly... Ran over toward the dugout, and I think that that will be all for Richards. I believe Bob Swift is being waved in from the bullpen. So Richards has apparently hurt a finger on his throwing hand. And just to keep Newhouse warm, here comes Jimmy Wilson, I think. See who that is coming out to warm him up. It's young Jimmy Miller. So it is coming out to keep Newhouse warm as Bob Swift gets the tools of catching on. And he's coming in here as Richards is injured in the last half of the eighth inning. That's too bad, Paul. One ball, two strikes to count on the batter, Nicholson. He's batting in the clutch for Chicago in the last half of the eighth as these Cubs try to stay in the running. Cabaretta's at first, Lowry's at third. Now Steve O'Neill is walking out of the dugout of the Tigers and back to his spot, coaching behind third. And that'll be all in this series for Paul Richards. Richards has certainly done himself very handsomely in the series. Today he has driven in four runs, and this the seventh and deciding ball game, for a total of six runs batted in in the series. He's had two doubles today, which gives him four hits out of 19 times up in the series. He was walked four times, and he struck out three times. That's a record of accomplishment on the part of Paul Richards that stamps him as a tremendous asset to the Tigers in this very, very thrilling 1945 series. 
Steve O'Neill has stopped on his way back to third now to say a few words to his son-in-law, Skeeter Webb, who plays at shortstop. And now O'Neill seems to have inspected everything, and he's going back to the Tiger dugout. And here's Bob Swift. Swift, who was born in Salina, Kansas. He said he thought up until a couple of weeks ago that he was born in a place called Kip, Kansas. But he sort of talked it over with the family, and they tell him he was born in Salina. They lived for a while in Kip, which is a small town outside of Salina, Kansas. And Swift, as we've mentioned before, is known as the best waffle maker in Major League Baseball, as if that had any bearing on what's happening right now down there. It doesn't. Newhauser is pitching to Swift now, and Swift is taking his throw down to second. Now he grabs the mask, puts it on, and the sturdy fellow is ready to go. Now here's the situation. There are two out in the last of the eighth. Lowry is at third, Cabaret is at first. They both hit Newhauser. And the count on Bill Nicholson is one ball, two strikes. Now the left-handed slugger Nicholson is in there. Again, his jaw is stuck out at Newhauser. Newhauser pitches low and outside, ball two. Two balls, two strikes, two out, two on. Newhouse stretches. Nicholson swings on it and it's foul on the ground down the first baseline. Count remains two balls, two strikes. Though Detroit has a lead of nine to two. This game, like all baseball games, and that's the, one of the thrilling aspects of this great American pastime, is not over until the last man is out. Nobody is saying that to himself more sharply than Nicholson at the plate now. Swings on one, drops it out to center field. It's good for a hit. It's going to the right of Kramer. Lowry has already scored. Cabaretta is rounding third and holding up at third. Nicholson is in the second with a double. That ball was retrieved in left center field by Doc Kramer and whipped in. Kramer has a pretty good throwing arm. So Nicholson is at second now. Cabaret is at third. One run is crossed. The score is 9-3, to three, and the batter is Mickey Livingston. That's the eighth run batted in in this series for Nicholson, and it ties him for a seven-game series record with Goose Gosling of Washington, who batted in eight runs in 24, and Al Simmons of the A's, who hit in eight runs in 1931. Of course, in a four-game series, Gehrig in 28 drove in nine. Now there's a swinging strike by Mickey Livingston, who missed it. Livingston batting right-handed is one for three today. He has driven in four runs in this series. He has eight hits out of 21 times up. The pitch is good for a call strike. Livingston started for it, checked his swing, and Art Passarella calls it a strike. So it's two strikes on Livingston. Runners at second and third for Chicago. Two out, last of the eighth. The Cubs trying to rally. New house of pitches, high and inside. Ball one. One ball, two strikes. Livingston, a discharged GI, was in the Army ground forces. He's had his misfortunes in baseball. He's had his ups and downs, but he's a hard customer. Swing strikes out. Newhauser whipped through his ninth strike out of the ball game to retire the side in the last half of the eighth inning. That brought one run for Chicago on three hits, two base runners left on, and there were no Detroit errors. So the score at the end of eight full innings of this thrilling seventh and deciding game of the 45 series is Detroit nine and Chicago three. Boy, you can't afford to miss Bill Corum's highlights of today's thrilling ball game. So stay tuned in. 
Here, a great reporter doing stuff right off the cuff, just as soon as the last man is out in this game here at Wrigley Field. And now we set the stage for you again at the start of inning number nine. As the sands of time and fortune are running out in this 1945 series, we're going to have a new cup pitcher, and I think it's going to be Hank Wise. And here are the box totals up to this point. Detroit, nine runs, nine hits, one error for the Tigers. Chicago, three runs, nine hits also, and no errors. And it is Hank Wise out on the mound. Hank, who during the season was the leading pitcher for the Chicago Cubs. But during the series, has not done too well. He's pitched six and two-thirds innings, given up eight hits in that time, and he's charged with the loss of one game. And he's part Cherokee Indian, and he's a very unusual-looking fellow. He has dark complexion, high cheekbones, but blue eyes. And he's married to uh, the daughter of Denny Burns, former great major league pitcher. He married her last February. Wise is a sturdy fellow. And he's the one who's called on here as the sixth pitcher of the afternoon for the Chicago Cubs. Early started, then Derringer, then Vandenberg, then Erickson, then Passo, and now Wise. W-Y-S-E. He comes from a farm family down in Arkansas. And he and his brothers used to set up things as farm kids, practice and work out with them. And here's Rudy York of Cartersville, Georgia, opposing it. York fouls off Wise's first pitch for strike one. It'll be York, Outlaw, and Swift in that order in this inning. Top of the ninth. York, a big right-handed batter. Wise winds up, delivers. High and inside, ball one. One ball, one strike on Rudolph Preston York. Wise works. York swings on it. There's a high hit and long hit fly ball to deep right field. Back goes Nicholson. He's under it there by the vines and takes it. York is out. Now it's Jimmy Outlaw. He bats right-handed also. Is one for three in this ball game and five for 27 in the series. Jimmy has batted in three runs. Wise bends way over, pitches him. Outlaw takes it. It's a strike. Curveball is whipped in above Jimmy's knees. Outfield plate out now pulled around the left just a trifle. Fairly big hole between right and center. Outlaw swings on it, slaps the third center field. Papper comes in about five strikes. He's easily under it and takes it to the out. Two outs for Detroit in the top of the ninth. Here's Bob Swift. Swift stands just an inch under six feet. Weighs around 190 pounds. 29 years old. He's a sturdy-looking right-handed batter. Two out, nobody on as Swift comes up. Swings misses one. This is Swift's uh, fourth time up officially in the series. He's had one for three up to here and has been walked twice. There's strike two. Wise whipped in a fast call strike on him. Now Hank works. Swift swings on it. There's a bounding ball to Hack at third. Hack jumps up, gets it, throws over to Cabaretta, and Swift is out. Five to three. So Hank Wise does his job in the top of the ninth inning. And there's nothing across for Detroit. And we move into Custer's last stand, the last half of the ninth, with Detroit leading nine to three in Chicago with their backs to the wall. And Hank Wise is the last pitcher in the ball game up to this point for Chicago. And Hank Baroy was the first pitcher. So a couple of Hanks start with this thing. If it's going to end in this inning, of which I am not absolutely certain. Now, while we're getting getting ready for the Cubs to come up here in the last half of the ninth, Newhouse strides again to the mound. 
Let's pause 10 seconds for station identification. Remember, men, look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette Blue Blades with the sharpest edges ever honed. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Markowitz goes out into left field for Detroit as we come into the last half of the ninth inning. Eddie is a big fella, 6'3", weighs 205. He hails from Wyandotte in the state of Michigan. Markowitz is out there, has added defensive strength, of course, in place of Greenberg in the left field spot as we go into the last of the ninth. The batter up for Chicago is Roy Hughes. Hughes has struck out twice and walked once in facing Newhouser today. And he's up there batting right-handed as we go into the last half of the ninth inning. Now Young Newhouser stretches, pitches. It's a call strike. Ball with tremendous speed just above the knees to Roy Hughes. Newhouser works again. Hughes takes this one low and inside by the knees. And I believe that uh, Clyde McCullough is coming up here to be the hitter. As a pinch hitter for the pitcher who's due next. Concerned with Hughes now, and the count on him is one and one. He's the first man up in the last tonight. Swings on that one, hits it back through the middle. It's a hit into center field. On the ground all the way, fielded by Doc Kramer, who went down to his knees to make sure it didn't go through. And Hughes is on. And here is Clyde McCullough. McCullough will get a great hand. He's just out of the fourth. McCullough, who was formerly the regular catcher of the Cubs before he went into the armed forces, and a tremendous acclaim from the Chicago fans. Clyde's another right-handed batter against the left-handed pitching of Newhouser. He looks a little bit heavier than when I saw him prior to his going into the service a couple of years ago. He's a sturdy guy, holds his bat high up in the air. That's a call strike on him. Fastball that got the inside corner. Clyde crowds the plate just a trifle. Foul tips it. Strike two on Clyde McCullough. Charlie Grimm down at third. Seems to be holding his own as this goes down to the wire, but Charlie looks pretty grim right now, and I don't mean that as a pun. Two strikes is a count on McCullough. Hughes with a hit is on at first. That pitch is high and outside. One ball, two strikes now on Clyde. It's great to see him back in baseball clubs. Newhouser works. It's high again. Ball two. Two and two. McCullough watching every pitch, of course, with tremendous intensity. Everything is just as tight as it can be here. This is the payoff stanza of the 45 series. McCullough takes it, and it is ball three. Three balls, two strikes, a full count on him now. And there's a runner at first. And now the pressure shifts to Newhouser and to McCullough, of course. He swings and strikes out. Newhouser got him with his tenth strikeout of the ball game. One away. And now here's Stan Hack, the hero of Monday's ball game. The hitting hero. Coming up, batting left-handed, the fifth time to face Newhouser today, and Newhouser's turned him back without a hit. 
Hector had a chance to equal the series record for total number of hits. He has 11. Newhouse pitches him high, inside, ball one. One out, Hughes at first, nine to three the score. Everybody moves forward on his seat. Just as tight and tense as anything could be. Pitcher swung on, it's slapped out towards center field, scarcely moving from his tracks. Now a couple of steps to Kramer, and he's got it for the out, and that is out number two. And closer and closer comes the Tiger victory. Two out, runner on at first. And this indeed is the last stand of the Chicago Cubs. And the crowd stirs as Johnson comes to the plate, batting right-handed. He has a double out of four times up. Swings on one, slaps it down to Skeeter Webb. Webb has it, tosses underhand to Mayo, forcing the runner Hughes at second and ending the ball game and ending the 1945 World Series. In the last half of the ninth, no runs for Chicago, one hit, one base runner left on, no Detroit errors, and the final score is Detroit 9, Chicago 3, and the Tigers are the 1945 World Champions. Detroit, nine runs, nine hits, one error, Chicago, three runs, ten hits, and no errors, and the 1945 World Champions are the Detroit Tigers under genial stout Steve O'Neill. And everybody is happy for Steve, and everybody is sorry for Charlie Grimm. Now, Bill Corm, who knows baseball inside out, is elbowing his way through the tremendous crowd to give you the highlights of today's game, as he saw those highlights from up in the press box. While we're waiting, folks, let's remember that the price of victory has been high, and we haven't begun to pay the bill. That's the reason for the victory loan drive, which begins on October 29th. This drive must succeed. It's vital to our national well-being. It is essential to the peace. In very large measure, the success of this drive will depend upon the wholehearted cooperation of Victory volunteers. These are the men and women who give unselfishly of their spare time and effort to put our war loans over the top. Now, Uncle Sam is calling them back to finish the job, and they'll do it, too. So when Victory volunteers call upon you during the drive, give them a warm and generous welcome. And now, here, the eye that sees all, and the mind that knows all, and the tongue that tells all, is Bill Coram. Bill, what do you think? Bill Slater, I think it's wonderful that the Tigers won, and won the way they did today, all the way, and right from the start, to become the 1945 baseball champions of the world, and bring that flag back to the American League from the St. Louis Cardinals. This, of course, is the second time that the Tigers have won a world championship, and they won them both in this same park. Back in 1935, when Mickey Cochran was leading the Tigers, and little Tommy Bridges was the star pitcher of the series, Hank Gooskasson, rather, hit a single to right field that I saw that won the first and only championship the Detroit team had ever won until today. So congratulations are in order to Steve O'Neill, his sluggers, and particularly this afternoon to Hal Neuhauser, a great pitcher out there today who set a new series record, of course, of 22 strikeouts and also only pitched three innings up there in Detroit, which makes it all the more remarkable that he should have surpassed such pitching stars as Mullen Johnson and Earnshaw, all of whom had been tied at 20 previous to today. He was a great pitcher today, very fast and with a fine curve, and how completely he was in control after the Tigers got those five runs in the first inning is indicated by the fact that he struck out all three of Charlie Grimm's pitch hitters. That shows that in the clutch, Newhouser had it this afternoon as 
Tiger pictures have had in this series, and their big bats have roared, and that was the tell on it. Cavaretto was the leading hitter in the series. I think these figures are right, though. I had to make them up very fast. But I think he led the hitters with 423, and I imagine Doc Kramer was second with 379. Now, those may not turn out to be absolutely right, nor the player's share, uh, winning player's share for the Tigers, which will be around $6,400, and for the Cubs, about $4,000. Uh, Hack hit well in the series, and uh, little uh, Jimmy Skeeter Webb of the Tigers was a real little big star out there. We just got a telegram from a fellow down, a fan down in uh, Henderson, Kentucky, that did you notice O'Neill has both his in-laws and outlaw in this World Series. And that's, of course, because Jimmy Webb is his stepson, and I'm reminded of it because Webb played such a good game at shortstop for the winning Tigers. The, uh, the story of the series, really, was that they had the power and the pitch pitching. Greenberg's big bat, Kramer hitting away better than or as well as he ever hit in his life, though his outfielding wasn't quite up to his usual par. The Detroit outfielders were the faster. The whole team was faster, as a matter of fact, as was indicated right from the start when they won with nine runs up there in Detroit in the opening game, which reminds me of the little story they're telling around town now about the fella who said that he brought his uh, grandfather out to see the World Series game here on Monday, and his friend said, yes, I saw him fall down between third and home, which I don't think will make Hot Settler very mad now that the Tigers are won, and he's going to pick up that big check of 6,400 or thereabouts to say that, because uh, victory is the main thing, and the Tigers won it today right from the start when they knocked Baroy out and went right to work on Derringer, who replaced them, and in fact, it was not until the third inning that the Cubs pitcher finally got to bat, and that uh, by that time was Vandenberg. Of all the pitchers that Grimm used, beginning with Baroy down through Den, Carringer, Vandenberg, Erickson, Paso, and finally winding up with Hooks Y, which I also believe ties a series record, but so many records were tied and beaten in this uh, uh, particular series that you could go on talking about that all afternoon. Now, Derringer's pitching surprised me a great deal because for years he's been one pitcher in the National League whose control was almost blue perfect, or, or almost perfect at least, and uh, he walked in two runs today, which I'm sure the Derringer of old never would have done. But Roy simply didn't have it at all, and starting right out with Webb and Mayo, who plotted him for singles, you could see that he couldn't come back and do the Herculean thing that was expected of him. So Kramer knocked him out of the box then with a single that scored the first run. And after Greenberg, who hurt his right wrist out here in that 12-inning game and wound up such a bad triple, they finally took him out in the ninth inning, hurt his wrist trying to punch a ball into right field. It was a grave question whether he was going to play at all tonight, and he did, gamely, because of his legs and that wrist. He sacrificed. Probably wouldn't have done that if his wrist hadn't been hurt. Moved the runners up. There was an intentional pass to Cullen Bynes. York popped to Hack over in the short field. Outlaw was passed to force in a run, and then uh, Richards, who had to leave the game with a broken little finger here in the late inning, slashed a double down the left field line, and there was the World Series of 1945. Previously, the Tigers, of course, have made a hobby and specialty of getting four runs, but this being the seventh big and deciding game, they decided to get five in the first inning, and though the Cubs tried gamely and fought right on to the end, and Grimm never gave up, uh, they just couldn't do anything about that big five-run lead, and so the ball game was decided then and there. However, the Cubs did have the satisfaction of winning that most exciting of the series games here in Chicago, that 12-inning thing on Monday that had us all so thrilled around here. So the fans saw them win as the now-championship Tigers 
uh, fans up there in Detroit saw them win, and I think it was just a great, fine Grand Series all the way through, very clean, baseball at its best, even the weather was pretty good, though a little chilly in spots, but uh, nothing really to complain about, no game had to be postponed, and I think all baseball, Commissioner Chandler, President Carriage of the American League, who's mighty happy now, I know, over his new champions at Fort Brick, and everybody concerned can be very, very happy about this World Series, the first since the war and one of the biggest and nicest of all time. And now I'd like to just pass the mic back over there to Al Helfer, uh, one of my co-workers here along with Bill Slater. The three of us have done the best we could for you, and we're mighty happy that you listened, as all of us at Gillette are. And I'd like to know now what Al Helfer has got to say as a sort of final word or summing it up as he saw it. How about it, Al? Well, Uncle Billy, I, I think the only thing I can say is that I'm... Uh... I'm a tickle to death and thrilled to pieces to be able to see the first World Series in four years. I've gotten a tremendous boot out of working.